Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, April 16th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Got a big show, lots to get into, covering most topics that I think are really central to what's happening today, you know, with a couple of notes to certain things in the beginning, but some things that I think will really upset some people, but I think we need to to discuss some objective or have some objective conversation around the kind of the, the, the things like the transgender conversation and, and, you know, really highlight what seems to be happening in this. There are very concerning things happening from, from all angles, but that does not mean that every single person in this community is the same thing. I mean, it's just as ridiculous as saying everybody who wears a certain hat is a certain thing. It's, 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 it's obvious what's happening. And the two-party paradigm is being used against each other and using, in some cases, very real things. And it's, it's obvious to most people, I think. And yet they're still highlighting the group that is buying it or rather either buying it, believing it or leaning into it because it's advantageous to them for many reasons. But we're going to talk about that toward the end of the show. But stay tuned because I do think this is very central to a lot of different things that are happening and where this seems to be going. But we're going to start off with a a few kind of a you know smattering of different points that I think are important to kind of place where we are in this country as well as a few other points about where it's going and the dying power structure that this this government seems to be at the moment. But we're also going to talk about a, a few points on COVID-19. That's not going to be the focus today because I'm trying to you know juggle all these different things. And of course, the the ongoing East Palestine situation and, and the, uh, the, the Richmond, Indiana situation and every other one that's happened in the last so many days that are still, I mean, it's amazing. I actually kind of blown away, even though we've watched this develop and and we know that there has been a lot of accidents if you can call it that before this but the the i always cite james corbett on this the recent video he did showing that we can prove that the amount of accidents we're seeing around the world or excuse me specifically in this country are it's so it's all it's exponentially more than we've ever really seen in this time frame so what does that mean that's for you to decide but ultimately in just the days since i've done last coverage of indiana there's seen i've seen at least two or three other High-level accidents where trains have derailed, fires have started, and even to the sense where they're carrying very dangerous chemicals and to the point where the people don't even want you to know what was on the train, where the companies and the responders are being tight-lipped about what was going on. That does not seem like how that's supposed to go, does it? But my point is I'm not getting into that today just because there's just so many things to get into. But I do have those off to the side. We will follow up on those. And in the depth that we have been, you've become accustomed to in regard to these stories, like with Indiana, which I haven't seen anybody else really get into that. The, the, the true depth, which I think, which I believe is there. But we're going to go over a little bit of COVID-19, some really important developments, uh, a new study, a Danish study that Dr. Peter Vicola recent shared recently shared in regard to the actual lots a conversation we've seen circulating about whether or not certain lots are more dangerous. One study seems to have concluded that they are, and we'll get into that. Um, Some interesting points around the blood, which I think is very important, and a bill that is we're going to get into in regard to the mRNA and food, Tom Rents. And I think this is a really important conversation, but we're going to focus on a couple other points in in regard to the, the leaks the Pentagon leaks and how that's being used for for censorship. But the focal point in general today is going to be on the Mexico regime change direction and the Azov movement overlap, which I was really 
I mean, I'm not surprised to be quite honest, but I am finding more and more information that seems to overlap whatever the Azov movement, rather the CIA operation that it is. And really to take away the Azov movement name, that's the representation of that agenda in Ukraine. But whatever the CIA project aerodynamic type operation, it's much larger than Ukraine. I'm beginning to see these little pieces of, of different operations all over the place. And now the moment we're seeing Mexico and, and the, the, you know, Lindsey Graham and the discussion of the cartel and how we're going to deem them terrorists so we can invade the country, which is what Lindsey Graham's actually talking about. You know, should they not do what we ask or tell that suddenly we're finding Azov member movements or not suddenly, but re, in the recent past smuggling fentanyl across the border. Now, is that because he just happened to be there or are we watching something else build some other CIA type operation to justify what they're talking about? That's for you to decide. But it's kind of hard to miss how this seems to connect together. We'll also do a, a big focus on Ukraine. And then the end, again, in these, this transgender overlap with a very concerning UN. Uh, it's, it's basically the UN, the, IC, the ICJ, and the Office of Human High Commissioner for Human Rights. Putting out a document that specifically outlines consent, or rather the lack of, or rather, well, let's put it this way that minors can essentially consent to sex with people over 18. I'm not making this up, and you can look at it for yourselves. It's absolutely mind-blowing to me that this is being justified because of woke politics. It's what it really is. And we're going to get into all of it, and you guys can decide for yourself what this means and what they're trying to say and what their objective may be. Well, let's start off today with a couple of interesting points, as I said, in regard to you know where we are. I mean... <laughs> This is something you guys, I highly recommend, as always, that you look into for yourself, that you check to make sure that this is correct, because it is, but or at least in regard to the poll and the information, as always, polls and this kind of information can very easily be manipulated. But I don't think any American is really going, and here's an interesting way to put this. I'd be willing to bet that regardless of your political standing, you know, left, right, or aware of the illusion, that all of us would be like, yep, <laughs> but probably thinking about different reasons. For those in the podcast, the title is 70% of Americans are financially stressed. 58% living paycheck to paycheck. Guys, 60% of the country living paycheck to paycheck. That is the extreme, like third world country level financial divide or wealth divide. What's interesting about that note, and I'm not going to dive into it deep, but I've written an article about this. If you look up every one of the like pillars, the tenets of what we, the governments of the past, they don't really use these terms as much anymore, used to consider a third world country. They actually have metrics that they use. Would you be surprised to find out that the U.S. government, or the, well, I guess in this case, specifically the country, meets every single one of them and has surpassed them a long time ago, talking about the centralization of wealth, the authoritarian control. I mean, all of this, the, the, the censorship, the, the control of the media. I mean, all of these things this country has in spades, and that's because of the government, not because of you. So back to the point, 58% living paycheck to paycheck is an example of one of those that are the most primary, that we live in a, a country where we have poor people and then the extreme wealth. And there's a, you know, a small sliver in between that. But believe me when I tell you that is, if not gone, rapidly disappearing. And that's the point. But 70% of Americans being stressed financially and 60% living paycheck to paycheck shows you that this is not in your best interest. What is happening, look, only one of two things. Either you are being stolen from in a very rapid, well, it's been rapid recently, but it's been happening for a long time, that you're being stolen from. The wealth is being transferred from, from you to others for a multitude of reasons that aren't in your best interest, or 
You can believe them that they're going, don't just take it on the chin for, for climate change or to fight Putin and it will get better. You will at one day own nothing and be very happy. If you believe that, well, that's on you to bank on. I personally like to trust myself, nobody in authority. And if we look around right now, all we see is the detriment, the downside, the problem with some narrative about what may come. Personally, that seems pretty damn naive to see with everything we know about even just this country's history, even just this administration's history. But I digress. The point is, guys, that we are on a bad track right now. And it's very obvious everywhere other than what they tell you you're supposed to think about it and where they tell you it's going to go. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. But just realize that there's a lot of this happening right now, a lot of examples. Now, one thing I wanted to point out as well, Michael Schellenberger made an interesting point, which I do think is important. But I, I think it's interesting that even people in the, like, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know that I, you know, know more than this person or see the bigger picture. You know, a lot of people that understand the conspiratorial reality to the way our government works, which is what this tweet is about and have for a long time. It oftentimes you look at people that are very, very intelligent experts that are in the mainstream circles that, you know, you just kind of look at them as a little naive and they may have some scientific expertise or journalistic endeavor, you know, whatever. But you see them as maybe I'm not I'm not speaking about Michael in this case, but I'm saying people out there, you may think seem a little naive to you because they either choose to disregard the obvious coordination between governments and officials and to control your life or they just don't believe it, which is mind blowing. But my point is, in this sense, is that people like this have come along, I argue, throughout COVID-19 specifically, to suddenly open this box where everybody started to recognize that these things are conspiracy theory. Yes, the NSA has always been spying on you. Yes, they put lithium, or rather, excuse me, probably too, fluoride in your water. Yes, they spray in the skies. Yes, these things are dangerous. Yes, they lie to you about GMOs over and over and over. But what's interesting about the, the tweet is this is important because this is the truth. But he uses the word conspiracy theory, and I just want to point out why I think that's important. The idea that governments worldwide are working together to censor their citizens sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's not. It's increasingly clear that there is just such an organized effort involving, at the minimum, the U.S., Canada, U.K., and New Zealand. So again, again, when I, when I, as I prefaced it, I believe I, that's a very limited version of the obvious that we can prove right now. And I, you know, maybe that's because I see it more than he does, or maybe I'm wrong. And he's, and I, I'm the one that's naive. My point in that is that I think obviously to say it sounds like a conspiracy theory is almost in its own right. Like, okay, that needs to be got. We need to get rid of this. Conspiracy theory is a derogatory term. Now, there's a moment there where we were, you know, I'll wear it like a badge, and we still do because it was something that was we hard fought to get past. But at this point. Everybody's aware that, yeah, that powerful, or I say a large, large amount of people are aware, the majority, that powerful people conspire to control your life for many different reasons. It could be political because maybe they believe there's a greater good, or maybe because they just want to make some money, or maybe because they're very, very sinister. Bottom line is, think about how crazy it is to pretend like that doesn't happen, despite all we know about history and despite the very obvious examples today. So that's why I'm glad these kind of tweets are going out. But to say it sounds like a conspiracy theory is still kind of nodding to the reality that that exists. But it doesn't, guys. Conspiracy theory is not a real thing. You can People can believe theories that they haven't proven. And maybe those theories aren't true. And that makes them irresponsible, ignorant. 
But to use the term conspiracy theory is to label it as something that is a broad concept that means anybody who's trying to piece things together and connect dots are just like that. But the insinuation is that we're always wrong and that the conclusion is not true. But that's not accurate. And that's the idea. So I just wanted to, I hope that was clear to people. And I think that's important. And the second part is at a minimum, US, Canada, UK, and New Zealand. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, at a minimum, there's a hell of a lot more of that and possibly all of the powerful governments. But I think we need to see how COVID went. Anyway, just realize that we need to put this idea of conspiracy theory behind us and recognize that it's not crazy. It's not even irresponsible to ask questions and consider the possibilities. But as long as you don't then go, but that's what's happening because I believe it. And then sell it to people as fact and shout people down who say otherwise as somebody who doesn't understand. That's the problem right there, along with the actual people trying to control you. Whether they realize it or not, they're being used to keep us censored and to make us look crazy as well. On top of that, and I'm going to point this out again at the end of this little segment, is that we have this direction shift Right where they are creating the kind of irrational mindset that they need to justify what they do while framing people like us who are literally having objective conversation as the crazy extremists. I mean, this is actually, in, in, it's, it's, it's humorous in its own macabre way that he's literally saying the single existential threat to the world is climate change. And the idea that we don't have enough time, and that's a fact, what do you think that's going to do? What do you think that's going to do to an extreme climate advocate who is buying all the nonsense and is on the edge already, who has taken a bunch of antidepressants and is on the is altering his body and doing all sorts of crazy things. And suddenly he goes, oh, my God, it's the Republicans that aren't letting us do this and acts out irrationally. Now, you could point out examples of that happening on the right and anywhere else, too. But right now, this is active and hardcore and is right now creating people that are willing to take violent action to save the planet. To fight for trans people or any other narrative. This is just the focus of today and lots of other topics. So it's really interesting. As I said, this kind of disputed, and in my opinion, false statement that climate change is the only threat to the planet is what drives radical, irrational action. Yet objective debate, like we're doing, around this topic and other topics is what they would have you believe is actually radicalizing people. Like really take a moment and think about how incredibly Orwellian that is. Because you know, as well as I, we're not telling you what to think. Now, we ask questions. Some, and maybe those questions could lead you to an in, for information that might not be the full picture, might be incorrect. But that, that end point is up to you to decide whether or not that information is incorrect or you don't have the full information or to blindly believe what you think it is. It always comes down to personal choice and personal responsibility. But we're simply asking questions and asking people to be objective. But they come around the side and say, this is the only thing that matters. And we're the ones radicalizing people. Even if they're right, you understand that's backwards. It's alarming to me. But this is what they're doing. They're creating the kind of mindset that drives irrational action. So either people on one side who feel, who see that might act in, a, in, in thinking it's justified to stop them. And then they get framed as the terrorist they want them to look like. Or the other side acts in irrational violence and people have to fight back and defend themselves. And then they get framed still as the terrorist. Riley Gaines is a good example of that. Someone who gives a speech and gets attacked. And then everybody everywhere comes out and praises the people that attacked her. We'll get to that today. Here's Net Zero Watch. Brazil's Minister of Environment and Climate Change is considering declaring a permanent climate emergency for over a thousand cities in Brazil in order to enact emergency measures and spending. Climate lockdowns forever, asked Nero, uh, Net Zero Watch. 
and I, I read this is the article here. You can read it, Martin Merkel Press. It's amazing to me that this is even on the table. A permanent climate emergency doesn't that intent doesn't that imply that it's not an emergency? Or I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at this. But the bottom line is, there's a lot of people that aggressively dispute this that are very very knowledgeable, have all the right credentials. They just get kicked out of the conversation, just like with COVID nineteen and the injections, which we're now seeing they were wrong and lied about. Surprise, surprise. Well, here, everyone, everywhere, all at once, says the World Economic Forum, they say the only way to address the climate emergency. Well, yeah, exa- that's ex- this is exactly my point. Everyone, everywhere, all at once. Like, this is, this, is hard, this is serious, irrational mindset. They are driving people to take aggressive action. But it doesn't, you can read between the lines. It's not what it says. And I'm not even implying that that's maybe what they mean to drive. That's what I think. I can't prove that. But we all know that there are people that see that and, re- and think they need to take serious action now. Otherwise, we're all going to die, which I believe isn't true. I think we can prove that. But then we have things like this, which is very interesting. So Brazil, we just talked about Brazil. Permanent emergency is what they're talking about. Decentralized News shares this from Financial Times. Brazil's Lula calls for an end to dollar trade dominance. Well, that might appear to be something slightly off, you know, different or a different direction. It's not, I don't think. Every night I ask myself, he says, why all countries have to base their trade on the dollar. Lula said in an impassioned speech in China, why can't we do trade based on our own currencies? He added, drawing loud applause from an audience of Brazilians and Chinese dignitaries. Now, at first, and maybe so, it's maybe seems like a good thing. Maybe Brazil and is also like France, recognizing the diminishing power of the West of the U.S. government and trying to build their, you know, multipolar world with other, you know, however you want to look at it. Either way, I think the decrease on the dominance of the dollar is a good thing. Maybe not for the individual finances of the American, but overall for peace and security. Yeah, it's a good thing. But is that why that's happening? To think about this on a very focused kind of, you know, U.S. foreign policy perspective. Maybe it seems like a good thing and maybe it it is. But to, to stand back and look at it from the global perspective, which is how I think this is being perceived by the real movers and shakers today. We just pointed out Brazil talking about a global emergency for climate change. We know Brazil is an ally. We know Brazil is driving in the direction. I mean, minus the the indication of China overlap, like we're seeing with France. But on the surface, these are allies. Right. So we know that that's that's one part of it. So what might this lead to if this is the case, if he's calling for dropping the dollar dominance? Right. You have all these different groups working with China, but realize China is in the same direction with the Great Reset. And that holds all of them are going in the same direction. So maybe just maybe it's this. Maybe it's about creating a situation where people who are all about the, you know, there's a lot of parts to include sound money and, you know, the the things that we always talk about are going to see that and go, yes, finally, people are recognizing the problem. But maybe it's just to justify this. Central Bank of Brazil confirms it will run a pilot test for its CBDC this year. That's April 17th. 2022, excuse me. I was like, that's tomorrow. (laughs) No, so that's that's last year. But the point is the same. That they are already doing this. And by the way, so is every major country, you know, leading Western country and the ones that they're controlling around the world. So they're pushing the CBDC. So the reality in my mind becomes, well, this just seems like a means to an end to create a situation to drive people who might be against what's happening into supporting it backward through the back door, not even realizing it. Then we have the other dynamic where we have groups like Saudi Arabia who 
seemingly are completely shifting away from the United States in a lot of ways that seem very bad for U.S. foreign policy. Now, this, I do think, is something that's not maybe according to the plan. But my point in overlapping these is that very clearly the do- the dollar dominance being, you know, the fact that Brazil said this or Lula said this, I think is because of this conversation. We have the, the petrodollars seemingly on the, about to go away and the reserve currency in general. What does that mean? Could it be this is all orchestrated to drive in the CBDC direction? Certainly possible. But I, this is all for, I think this is just all relevant to see the shifting. But we should be very concerned about with the CBDC direction more than just about anything else right now. But I'm not sure if this is part of it. Saudi Arabia holds talks with Iran-backed Houthis in effort to end the Yemen war. Now, my pessimistic mentality, I, I'm like, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I just don't believe this is happening. I think the Saudi Arabian government is, has proven itself time and again to be completely untrustworthy and actively, you know, it, it's just, it's all about selfish mentality. It has nothing to do with helping people or stopping the war. It's about taking and gaining. And it's the same thing at the expense of whatever. At least that's how historically what we've seen in this back and forth, this illegal occupation is, which is actually is. But then we also have this Saudi Arabia and Syria welcome thaw in ties agree to fight during drug trafficking. So I don't know. I don't know. But I ultimately see a, a decline in the power structure for the United States. And I do think that that's a positive thing unless it's meant to drive us in the other direction. I also think it's a positive thing either way. But we need to be on guard as individuals. That we don't get driven in this direction. I mean, it really does come down to individual action and choice. It's about what you will allow and the detriment you'll take if you choose not to. I guarantee there's going to come a time where they're going to try to coerce you into doing it just like with the injection. And guess what? A lot of us stood strong and it was not easy, but we all hopefully see now it was the right choice. Now, on a few other foreign policy notes, just to include, Robert wrote two articles I think are important. Israel persecutes Christians over Easter, spreads fake news on Palestinian attack. It's amazing to me that this is so blatant, so obvious, that they're persecuting Christians on Easter, openly, arbitrarily breaking up, you know, creating limits to who can go in the church, despite the church itself going, I completely call this out and I don't, I, I, what the word they use, they, uh, they condemn this act, but then Israel's acting like they're doing it because the church asked them to. So it's just wholesale dishonesty across the board. And you know who supports that entirely with no question, the Western governments, including the United States. Even though they're, you know, Christians though, right? Is it Biden a Christian? Does he not care that Christians are being persecuted on Easter? Apparently not, because he's a Zionist Christian. Uh, that'd be my opinion, but which arguably is completely counterintuitive and contradictory. Not even arguably, but either way, the bottom line is this is completely disgusting. Whatever your opinions, that this is being allowed. The churches and, and you know, I mean, the idea this is supposed to be a democracy, supposed to be, you know, despite the fact that they can stand up and say openly that the, the Israel's the nation state for the Jews alone. That's a direct quote from Netanyahu. I think it's, oh, look, uh, that just, of course, that went away. Let's see. The reason I looked this up is because I, I, what's important, I think, is that people who might be watching this show, isn't that interesting? Check this out, guys, and I think you'll know why. Here's the Haaretz.com. I'll show you the other one next. Israel is the nation state of the Jews alone which is a direct quote from Netanyahu, which is completely contradictory to what everybody tells you they're supposed to be thinking. And when you click on it, it's gone. Look at that. It's almost like Haaretz just decided to remove that for no re- uh, for obvious reasons. Here is the Palestinian Chronicle, but we, oh, I thought the, uh, 
thought there was one that was the here's the tell tell sir they're, I, they're independent had one oh it's right there i was gonna say i just opened it right here netanyahu says israel belongs to jewish people alone an attack on nation's arab population the independent but of course if i hadn't showed that or even though i did there's still people probably calling me racist for pointing out that he literally said that because that's how dumb this is but the bottom line is that's racism that's extremism and that is your government's chief ally Makes perfect sense, actually, when you understand the reality. Israel's eight-point about Al-Aqsa Mosque assault debunked. Robert did a video where he broke this down and went point by point and proved to you that he was blatantly lying. Netanyahu wholesale lied about what happened there. And by the way, I included this picture for a reason. Because remember the whole point about how it was an old picture and they lied about it? Well, this, was a new, this is a new picture. This is a picture of the current version of that happening again. And what's hilarious is because people used a picture in a moment when no pictures had been given out yet to point something out. It got point. oh, it's all fake news. No, it's not. And that's how desperate they are to hide what actually happens because they know there's no excuse for stuff like this. They being anybody trying to lay cover for them. You know, people like Biden, same thing, or most of the corporate media. Now, again, to this last point, Biden claims the single existential threat to the world is climate change. The single existential threat to the world is climate change. We don't have a lot of time, and that's a fact. They're even recognizing, finally, everyone's recognizing America. What was that? <laughs> mumbled the end. That's a fact, Jack. Everyone's recognizing America. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, the point is that he's telling you that you all think that. Do you agree with that? Apparently, that's what he thinks or doesn't care, right? The point is that's what he wants people to think. We all think the same thing. So maybe somebody out there who doesn't is going to go, oh, I'm the only one then. I guess I should change my mind. That's how that dumb, glazy propaganda works. It used to work pretty well until people started realizing that that was happening. And so we just question things now, which is always how this should have gone. Now, the reason, by the way, that I think the climate change point, which we're not going to get into deep today, is the hardcore focus, at, you know, which has been for a while. Janet Yellen comes out and saying it's a national security threat. Biden saying it's our only threat, existential threat. All these things. It, it's clearly a huge focal point that's going to come into play very, very soon, whether through carbon tax or the idea of, you know, passports for the same reason. So, oh, yeah, no, not vaccine passports. Now, carbon passports. Same thing, though. Digital ID. Not just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. unlikely is because I think they lost control of this narrative or maybe it was meant to be both. I don't know, but it's obvious that they have completely lost control of the COVID-19 discussion. And they're just hoping they just put it behind us at this point. And I don't even think that's ultimately what's going to happen. I think it's going to come back into play a new variant, a new this or a new threat, a new something probably in in line with it because they keep telling you climate change somehow magically makes viruses worse or makes disease happen more. Who knows? There's some abstract reason they make that case. Either way, nobody is realizing that doesn't want to see this or only watches the mainstream media that every single part of their narrative has absolutely, utterly, completely collapsed. Every single part of it. Every single thing they told you in the beginning has not just been disputed, but has been proven to be false. Everything. From mass to lockdowns to efficacy to safety. Every single part of that. Really take a minute to realize that. Every single part, they lied to you. And now we're realizing even more that there's more than just the lies, more than just the malfeasance, that it seems more likely than ever that this is something that was done to people, which you know my opinions on this. I've been covering this from the very beginning. 
But Peter McCullough shares Danish study shows 4.2% lots loaded with side effects. Confirm suspicions that not all lots are equally safe. Now, Ryan Cole and some others have argued that this may not be in deliberate, that ultimately ends up where these vials could be set out or not held in proper temperatures, which we've seen a lot that's proven, and that that ultimately ends up with the lipids will dissolve or rather just, you know, not hold their, their structure, and that ruins the mRNA instructions, which he argues is probably a saving grace. That probably saved people's lives. But, old, but either way, however you spin it, this study seems to have been proving that there are very clearly this, that this is happening. Now, I, I bet you this ultimately, I have this, my point is I haven't gone through this deep because this is something I'm going to go deep on in the next show when I focus on COVID. But my, I would argue that these are, you know, the idea being that this is something that is from the lots, meaning that it's not something that has been sent out. Well, I don't know. You could take it either way because ultimately the lots, if you're, we're supposed to know the lots to every single vial. Right. So if you get hold of the vial and test it, you could argue the lot or. Yeah, no, I'm going to say I'm going to go back to the first thing I said, because ultimately I find it hard to believe that they would have access to the lots at the facilities. I mean, think about how crazy like we're talking about, like national security with these locations now, like Pfizer and Moderna. You know how impossible it is to get this information or to get anything. <laughs> Look at what that tells you. In any case, the point is, which we will follow up on in general, is that these things, a new study, a Danish study, has found that they are, in fact, dangerous, calling for immediate halt to the vaccination, as usual. Here's another follow-up example of, uh, of I'll blank on his name all of a sudden. Uh, give me the chat. I can't believe I forgot. Just off to- I just talked about it. This was uh, Brandon Circus here just shared this to some random tweet that I shared that has nothing to do with it, but I'm glad he did because it, this is, um, God, it's driving me crazy. You guys all know who this is. I'm going to play the clip. It's just a random clip from one of his videos. Again, I'll probably follow up on this, but again, this is something that he, a study has found. Doesn't mean we know that we can prove it. They could be lying. They could be wrong and so on. But these are two studies that have found something interesting. And in this case, what he's finding is something that has been pulled out of uh, the blood after it's cooled and it's essentially like a coagulated substance and they think it might be proteins, which makes perfect sense when you think about it. But all it really shows you is that this is exactly what we've always been telling you, that the blood is contaminated, that these things are dangerous, that they're ending up all throughout your blood. And then also what he adds to it is John Campbell. Thank you guys. That also it ends up being something that arguably, and he seems to insinuate this could be causing, you know, many different problems, including blood, uh, you know, blockages basically. So watch it for yourself. And this is actually pretty crazy. Looked at the blood. They spun the blood down as the uh, hematologists normally do. And after they'd cooled it down, what they found is, so what we're looking at here, you expect to see this nice clear serum on the top. You expect to see this blood here, but what the heck is this big blob that developed after the blood was cooled is the question. So there it is again uh, in a bit of a blow up. It's a very strange phenomena. Um, I have only worked uh, part time in, in hematology. I'm no specialist, but I've never seen anything like this. And um, more importantly, the pathologists haven't seen anything like this either. So he took it out and he put it on a he put it on a that's the blob there taken out from the blood. And uh, he's sending it round uh, his uh, colleagues who are specialist chemists and things like that. And they are analysing this to see what it is. So it really is a bit of a medical pathological mystery, just what, quite what is going on here. But we have a little more information. Um, this is in section here. So this is a physical entity from his talk. This is the slide from his talk. Um, very few cells in it. And what it seems to be, it seems to be protein. So it seems to be a consolidation of protein previously, previously dissolved in the blood. So what this blob seems to be, let's just have a look at that blob again, because it really is quite... Um, and it looks like this is Professor Arne Burkhart, and uh, I believe Taylor Hudak is, is working on an interview with him right now. 
So I'd be interested to see more on this in general. It's quite amazing. And we've never seen anything like it. It's just a blob that formed in the blood when the blood was cooled. This really is a new pathology. I can't think of any diseases where anything like this would, would, would occur. If you're a pathologist watching, and I'm consulting pathologists at the moment, but so far we don't know about this. Um, do, do, do let me know because it's currently a mystery. It seems to be protein. So what seems to happen is um, after the blood sample is taken, these proteins were previously in solution in the blood like in a solution. And then when the blood is cooled, they precipitate out of solution and form these blobs. And of course, if it's, if it's in blood vessels, so this was formed in a, in a centrifuged um, blood specimen bottle, so it became globular, became round. If it forms in long, thin blood vessels, then of course, just like a mould, it will mould to the shape of the blood vessels it forms in. And this seems to explain these long stringy things. Which, okay, so that's interesting. So what he's saying is that because it was in the, in the tube in the, in the lab, that's why it's got that shape. But that, that may explain these things we're seeing pulled out which, by the way, is not the one we see on that Died Suddenly video that's actually from, I think, before this all started. But, they, but, we, but there are these real examples of that, which is, speaks to the, I think, continual realization. I hope people are seeing that that video seems to have been made by accident or by design to keep people, you know, to undermine the reality of this stuff. That'd be my opinion, including for, you know, numerous reasons that people that were involved have later spoken out about how they were misrepresented and blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, this is kind of the point is that that those things, see someone who watched that and then saw the, the proof, the reality that that image they did show, whether it was because of laziness or by choice was actually from before they then think this whole story is fake news and they will see this and go, Oh, John got tricked or, Oh, it's not real because I already saw the, that's how that works. And this is, is a real thing. And I mean, it was being proven before that video came out. I think that might be the whole point. Just my opinion. That the embalmers were, were reporting to me probably 18 months ago. So where are we getting all this information from? On a Burkout. Now we're going to, we're going to follow up with that in general. And hopefully that interview will be coming out soon. And here is a, a Substack post for the T-Lab Substack. Infant taken from parents after they refuse vaccinated blood transfusion. Now, this is pretty crazy because this in, in this goes over a lot of the information that we shared on the T-Lab, the daily wrap up and the information coming from, um, you know, the American Red Cross and what they're actually saying. Right. I mean, you actually look at this tweet because this is the one that I believe. Oh, it's this is. Oh, yeah, it's right there. Perfect. So I, I respond to this. Right. So they're literally saying we don't label blood products as containing vaccinated or unvaccinated blood. Why? They literally argue. And this was on September 13, 2022, that. The COVID vaccine does not enter the bloodstream and poses no safety risk. When they posted that, they knew that wasn't true, which we didn't understand that. So these are, I'm not saying the everybody everywhere that works in America to cross is compromised, maybe, but ultimately somebody who is in control of this is aware they are lying for any number of reasons. Because not only that before the, the information has been clear and this peer reviewed science has been clear that I posted this right beneath it. Yet another peer reviewed study finds that you are wrong. Right there, January 17, 2023, SARS-CoV-2 spike mRNA vaccine sequences circulate in the blood up to 21 days, 28 days afterward. Peer-reviewed. Guess what? No response. Why? Because they're cowards. That's what cowards do. They hide. They don't respond. I just can't believe that. Like, th this is a group that's supposed to be keeping people safe. But make sure you check out this post because there's a lot more information in it. 
But we know, not just because of this little quip, but we already know this, that this is not the truth. And now, in this case, they're actually taking a baby away from parents because they recognize the problem, and these nurses don't care. And on top of that, realize in this case, they had alternatives. They had people that were willing to give blood that hadn't been injected, and they just wouldn't let them. That's not their prerogative. These people are drunk on power. And there are examples of babies dying because of things like this exact situation. It's already happened. We've talked about it on the show. Now, on top of that, Thomas Massey points out, your primary care provider was bribed to suggest you should take the COVID injection. Which, by the way, they're all, it wasn't bribery. That's just how this process works. Well, it doesn't matter how you call it, what you frame it. If you have a bonus that says, if your practice meets the below thresholds for vaccination with at least one dose by this date, you receive the initial incentive payment based on the following rates. 30% members vaccinated, 20, $20 bonus per vaccinated member. Then it goes, it goes all up to 75%. bonus per vaccine member. Now, I don't know if this is normal. doesn't seem normal to me. seems like an obvious money incentive to push the injection, which is probably normal in our broken health system. But overall, it doesn't matter how you frame that. That is an incentive financially to push something. Now, whether or not you know, whether or not, look, to make it simple, this is everywhere. And it doesn't matter whether or not you think it's safe or not. This is going to influence people's decisions. You have to understand that that's irresponsible. And if you don't want to hear it, then you clearly don't want to. You have made your mind up and the facts don't matter. Now, here is something that we've already talked about. We just went over this recently on a show. Vigilant Fox points out they don't want you to know mRNA gene therapy is going in your food. So Tom Rents has been discussing Missouri HB 1169, which I believe he's involved with, a two-page transparency and disclosure bill for gene therapy products. Now, what's crazy to me, and I'll show you the bill next, is these people are pushing back aggressively, predominantly Republicans, on this bill. It, all it does is, re- is require that they label it. That's it. There's nothing restricted. It just simply goes, if look, if you've got gene therapy in this or some variation therein, well, it has to be labeled as such. Now, I mean, think about it. They could even go play the game they always do and make loopholes and be like, well, it's technically not gene therapy, so there you go. They know they could play, but they still push back so aggressively, which I agree with Tom. There's something to this. There's a clearly something that they're either involved with financially or something larger that makes them Republicans and all, if you think it's one or the other, push back so aggressively on this because they just, I mean, don't want to have to label mRNA food, which probably means it's already there, which is the point we keep making, guys. So we don't ban anything in this bill. It's a two-page bill, no riders. And it's in deeply red, very Republican Missouri. What he means, no writers, in case you don't know, it simply means that's how our government works, which is the same broken way as everything else, that there are things that get inserted last minute, whether because of deals made by, oh, well, if you, you know, let this happen, or you do that. And people can slide in little additional things that have literally nothing to do with the bill. That's why you end up with something that has to do with, you know, drinking water. And at the end, it says, well, you can't boycott Israel or something random like that. Or something. There, there was an example that had to do with something local in the country. And down there, it said, you, you know, you something about you couldn't end the Yemen war. Remember that? It's a real thing. Like, it's just unbelievably stupid. But they slip them through and they make their backroom deals and people don't even know about it because most of them don't even read the bills. But his point is that there's no writers on this. So this is as transparent as it gets. So you'd think it's an easy pass, right? It is being resisted like you can't believe the, the, the rhino wing of the Republican Party in Missouri. We're just, you know, Republicans. 
We can choose to say that they're rhinos in name only, or excuse me, Republicans in name only, because we don't, they, you know, the Republicans you think are the right ones don't agree with them, but they're just Republicans, guys. Like, the only reason the rhino thing makes sense is because people want to believe the Republican Party still exists. Until we can get past the two-party illusion and see that it's just your government in different varying forms doing this to you, we'll always be lost. I just can't stress that enough is battling this they've sold out to the lobbyists tooth and nail they don't want you to know that they're going to put gene therapy drugs into your food and poison you this simple transparency disclosure bill would require that they tell us if it's a gene therapy product that 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 you're looking at there how to make an edible vaccine that was in published in the year 2000 i mean it's one two three four five very straightforward They've known how to put vaccines in, in vegetables for a very, very long time. And uh, now they're doing it. Now they're going to do it. Hmm. Now, just to be clear, by the way, to the other point about lobbyists, they all have lobbyists, every single one of them. Not the, the, the rhinos, the, the, the patriots, and all the left, all have, they all are bought off by lobbyists. That's the only way they get in power. So it's just interesting that it only matters when you're pointing at the other one. I'm not saying that Tom in general, I just mean the way that this gets dressed. It is the point he made. He didn't say what I just said, but ultimately that's the underlying point that, well, they're bought off by the lobbyists. Well, then why aren't the other ones, though? They have lobbyist money, too. Are they the good lobbyists? Well, no, they all take war and pharma money. They all do, guys. That's it's just we just choose to not look at it when it doesn't work for our point. Right. But either way, this is obviously happening. We've been showing you the the plant the plant-based vaccine discussion, at least, you know, during COVID-19, 2020, 2021, we've talked about the self-spreading vaccine discussion and how obviously that's actually happening, that they are all openly talking about inject or a, a, you know, a vaccine, if you can call it that, that they can distribute and it will spread amongst people without consent. And that, you know, what's interesting. I was, it's funny. I know I play this all the time, but I wasn't even going to play it because I, was, I wasn't planning on getting into it, but now I'm realizing the consent part of this is very relevant to the later part of the show. So let me play it really quickly. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture. And there, you, there you go, right there. Now you could just jump to the ch- cut to the chase and see that this is the ESOF 2020. This is in 2020, Euroscience Open Forum. Now you can go through the links and find out this is like a UN adjacent group, and it's all these are this is think tank high level stuff. Like they're openly talking about self spreading injections. And you can see in the picture, that's a pregnant woman, that's a child. And, and they literally just said, and it removes consent. And they're working on these things now. That's 2020 they said that. So he, Tom is not making this up. They are actively working in this direction. And we need to genuinely ask whether or not it's already passed. It's already happened. I don't know why that would be so crazy for people to think about when they just told you it's very clearly something they want to strive for. If you can't see that they would be willing to do something without your knowledge after everything we just went through, you don't want to see it. That's who. That's what government is and always has been as far back as you want to look. It's just authority. It's people in power that want to control you. So the consent part of that is very, very relevant to where we're going with this because it seems like they want to remove consent everywhere they go. But overall, guys, this is very real. 
Here is a uh, just a kind of just a overview of this bill. It says the bill specifies that any product that acts as or exposed to processes that could result, and I love that, in the product product potentially acting as a gene therapy or that could possibly impact, alter, or introduce genetic material or a genetic change into the user of the product or certain other people must be conspicuously labeled with the words potential gene therapy product. And reasonable steps must be taken to ensure a potential purchaser or user is made aware of the the presence of this label. That is fantastic. I mean, I just, I mean, that's really well done the way they wrote that because it's not just one or the other. Let's just say maybe it could. Bottom line, if it has the potential to, to alter, induce any of these things, whether or not you deem it gene therapy. So you can see why they, to my for earlier point, you can see why they, they're like, well, shoot, there's not even an error for a loophole. There's no error in this conversation. So clearly, if they push back on this, doesn't that clearly imply there's either money coming their way to not do to, to, to do so because they have another agenda or they're involved with some agenda right now that this contradicts? Why else would they push back on this? It's the, it's the equivalent of putting forward a bill that's literally called the Stop Arming Terrorists Act. And you read the bill and it's as simple as it gets. It simply says we do not arm terrorists that are known terrorists and blah, blah, blah. And 99% of Congress voted no. How do you explain that other than they're all financially and otherwise interested and in, in, in invested in foreign policy and war? It's pretty simple. And that is arming the terrorists that they're actively working with. It's pretty simple. It's all right there if you care to look. Now, also an interesting overlap is the, the Adult Cabaret Act in Tennessee, which has nothing to do with trans people other than the fact that that includes in part that side of it. It just has to do with adult cabaret around children. You can be a, you can be a adult male or female or a trans person or whatever you want to call it. And anywhere you do that, it's not allowed. But they want to pluck it out and say it's only about this. So, so you want to allow adults to sexualize children just so we don't infringe on the rights of trans people? That seems pretty backward. Keep that in mind. We're going to get to that in the end of the show. Anyway, I digress. Upon the written request, any entity that produces, sells, or distributes a product with the capacity to infect an individual, just we just looked at, with a disease or to expose an individual to certain genetically modified material must provide all information related to the ways in which individuals who did not directly obtain or use such product may be exposed to the product or a, comp- a component of the product. Now, I argue this screams that if, like, if this passes, somebody who is Tom Rance or somebody is going to very quickly be like, label that injection. And they're going to have to. And then they're going to be like, well, there's a whole time screaming it's not gene therapy because whether or not they want to call it gene therapy, obviously that injection fits this discussion. So that means they're going to have to put a label on these things and say that is that or it can or it might, which is going to be very embarrassing. And it obviously shows the reality. That's one of the possible reasons they're pushing back on this. Any product manufacturer, government agency or organization that has an interest in the production, sale or distribution of such a product is also subject to the disclosure requirements and must provide all relevant reports, research, and knowledge upon request. So now they're co- personally culpable here. Information requested must be provided as soon as reasonably practicable. 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 Am I, am I crazy? Is that, am I reading that wrong? Is that misspelled? Practicable. That's interesting. I don't even think I'm... Capable of being effect, 
I was thinking practical. <laughs> I just said, that's not right. I don't think I've ever even seen that word. That's interesting. Anyway, keeping going. But at least within 21 days after receipt, receipt of the written request, any entity that makes a product available that could infect, transmit to, or be absorbed in any way that would act as a medical intervention, vaccine, drug, or genetic modify, modification must obtain fully informed consent from all individuals who could be exposed to such product before exposure may occur. Now, what if that already happened? What if they're already been spraying things around? Like this kind of bill would cause a huge problem for them. Fully informed consent requires at a minimum that an individual is made aware of all benefits and risks, including side effects of the product, any adverse events of special interest, and any other reasonably possible impacts of the product, which would still destroy the already failing illusion that these things are safe and effective. So it's pretty obvious why this is being pushed back on. Here, oh, actually, no, this was... Oh, I thought I, oh, this was it. Okay, I thought I had one more part on that. But anyway, this is important. So make sure you're supporting Tom in this because I do think this is the right path on this specific, I doubt it's going to (laughs) pass. Obviously, the, the government is, the reality here is not on our side, left or right, guys. Now, one other thing. Two, uh, two last things, actually. I wanted to play this video because I do, that regardless of your politics, what he's saying is correct. Now, you could argue he's saying it because it's somehow politically advantageous for him to say right now as, as you know, uh, um, my God, I'm blanking on everyone's name today. Mr. Florida is running for president coming up here. Um, you know, so that may be the reason. But either way, it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, it matters to a degree, but the truth is the truth. What he's saying is, he, well, he's declaring mRNA COVID vaccines have a terrible safety profile. Well, shocking. <laughs> Obviously, I think anybody with two brain cells can see that right now. And he says, I'm not sure anyone should be taking them. I just like that somebody is saying this out loud because it's the truth. Believe that somebody in government, that is what is happening isn't actually happening. These vaccines have a terrible safety profile at this point in the pandemic. You know, I'm not sure anyone should be taking them. And- Okay, so take note of that. So apparently to him, we're still in a pandemic. You know, that these things matter, guys. If everyone wants to overlook the small points, well, maybe he doesn't know. It's just, personally, I don't trust any of these people. And, and that's, you know, that is the honest truth. I don't think anyone probably should be taking it. They have a terrible safety profile. I mean, I, look, I hate to be nitpicky, but personally, I think it's undeniably obvious that the evidence shows that they're not safe. Not maybe, not probably for no one. dangerous all across the board for everybody everywhere. That's obviously what the peer-reviewed science has found. Net harm, 36% increased risk compared to the the placebo in their own trial. My point is why they would take a half line like that or kind of walk that back and forth. He knows if he's reading the same data we are, which it seems he is, he knows that. But I think it's because they're trying to walk a political line. Now, maybe you think that's the way to go to reach more people. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just can't stand it. I want the truth. The hard truth at all costs. And and we have, unfortunately, a CDC and FDA who just very, the most consistent thing they've done is deny the truth. Whether it was pushing masks, they did squat. They did not have any, any, any substantial impact, no benefit. Pushing masks, pushing the vaccines in little kids, all these low value, divisive policies uh, they did. Uh, meanwhile, here's the truth, right? You look at these studies of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. There was a study published a few weeks ago in a journal called Lancet, a great, you know, a, a journal that's well known, I should say. And, <laughs> and you know, what did these what did these authors show? They showed that after seven months, the protection for infection, right, 
it, you know, it started, I don't know, around 70%, down, 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 down. At seven months, it, it hops onto the other side of the axis, right? So it is... It's, you know, I just, you, you guys watch this show. What do you think about that? Do you think that's the reality? I mean, have we not already seen an endless amount of information showing you that these things are within, mo- like within days have already dropped dramatically? And within 90 days, they are, I think the Pfizer one was something like 70, I, I, I don't want to speak off the top of my head, but they were, they were negative efficacy for sure. Actually, I think I have the tweet that I can pull up real quickly. Let's see. Here we go. It is the one. What? Oh, I was going to say it didn't pop up at first. It, it said it wasn't there. This is the one that Ezra posted saying the study. Yeah, it was, oh, I, was, I was pretty close. Pfizer, can, I was going to say 75. 76.5%. 76.5% negative efficacy. This is during Omicron. Whatever that may actually be. 90 days, right? But see, after one day, between one and 30 days, <clears throat> it had already dropped to 55% relative, relative risk reduction. That's not the same thing as we should all know by now. Relative risk reduction is not the same thing. It didn't pop up. I thought I still had it. Well, you guys have seen that plenty of times anyway. Back to the point. And that continues and that the magnitude of that negativity increases over time. What does that mean, folks? It literally means that the people who received that vaccine were more likely to contract COVID-19 after yep. seven months. Or in general, or right away. I'm, this is not my opinion, like that we've shown the data. And I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I think what he's saying is good to get out to people. And what, what I like was the first thing he said, actually. But overall, you know, it's, it's kind of a half walk. You know, this is the same kind of thing we always see. People come out and they give you, you know, 10% of the truth. And everyone goes, yay, this guy's on our side. And it's not, I don't know, just maybe I'm overshooting it. I don't trust any of these people. I don't think that they have your best interest at heart. Now, the last part, before we move on to the next part, which is going to be the leak really quickly, just to make a point on that. I just think this is unbelievable. HHS, Health and Human Services, is now, as we seemingly predicted, going to extend certain parts of the PREP Act, liability protections, beyond the 11th of May. This is exactly what we've talked about. There is no justifiable reason to do this. If the emergency's over, I don't even understand why you can logically argue you need emergency liability. Because this is, as much as it's the PREP Act, this is, be, do, this is the emergency use authorization liability we're talking about. The only reason liability through this was allowed is because we were in, there was an emergency authorization. So the bottom line is you're continuing liability for an emergency authorized product that's not under an emergency. But on top of that, these things have been shown to be deadly, dangerous for anybody. I'm not talking opinion. We're talking British Medical Journal. We're talking Elisevir or Science Direct. I mean, most every high-level plat- platform has come out and shown that these things are hurting people, net harm. Or again, the main point we always should go back to is the original Pfizer and Moderna phase three trial study. Their own data showed you that, at least in Pfizer's case, a 36% increased risk of serious adverse events compared to the placebo. That's hospitalization, death, and disability. 36%. So that means if you take it, you're 36% more likely to gain those problems. But let's pretend like you're absent risk from COVID. That's right, because it's less than the flu, according to the leading ionitis group, and it's also a peer-reviewed study. 
that there is, it's, it's, a, it's a lie, top to bottom. And yet here we are. We're past it now, and they're going, but we're going to extend this to 2024. The Department of Health and Human Services plans to amend its PREP Act. That's how it works, right? They're just going to change it, gonna alter it. So, we, so, so it says what we want to do now. Which, which, argue, which actually is what they're allowed to do, which is, which is just, it's stupid, just because they wrote down that that's the way it goes. HHS gets to just arbitrarily do that. To extend liability protections, and I'll show you the next part too, specifically for COVID countermeasures, which is what vaccine tests, masks, all that stuff, beyond May 11th, and the PREP Act liability immunity will apply through 2024. And it's very clear what it says here. Pharmacists, pharmacy interns. That it's, and here's the best part, though. The most concerning part. I don't believe that flu injections before this were included. Do you? I, correct me if I'm wrong. If they were, I'm surprised I didn't know that because that seems pretty broken and backward. Why do you have an emergency for COVID and you include flu injections in that? Well, somebody reach out and let me know if that's the case. Because if it's not, either way, it's pretty crazy. But if it's not, they just shoehorned in flu injections. For immunity, or excuse me, liability for, for indemnity. Why would they need to include seasonal flu injections under the PREP Act for liability for, for indemnity? Aren't they they've been being used this whole time forever? Aren't they safe and effective? We're told, but now we're not even allowed to sue if that one hurts you too. How does this possibly make sense? Here is their fact sheet. As it says. The PREP Act declaration has been a key tool for ensuring Americans have what, you know, what they tell you you're supposed to have, and it talks about vaccine tests and treatments and so on. Now it says this declaration has provided flexibilities and protections for those individuals and the entities who have been involved in providing these critical tools. For the past three years, much of the healthcare landscape, including pharmacies, has relied on these flexibilities and liability protections. Why exactly? Why is it so important to stop a nurse from being sued because they do something incorrectly or or the manufacturer for suing them because of this thing kills people? Why is that so important to maintaining the health landscape? It's not. That's the illusion. Some, by, by some argument that either they won't be able to do their job if they're not protected or that the company won't make these injections if we don't give them complete indemnity. How about we just do both and see how it works out? I'm willing to bet you it would be a hell of a lot safer and a hell of a lot better. By issuing this amendment, the HHS secretary intends to allow pharmacies to continue their critical roles in our response, even after certain products transition to what the other pathways. The end of the COVID public health emergency alone does not automatically terminate the coverage. That's the point I'm making is they just get to decide, well, it could, but we're going to keep it going anyway. And remember, we talked about this in the month remaining before the end of COVID public health emergency declared under Section 319. HHS will continue to work closely with its partners and government. Basically, this is continuing to go forward. You can see it right here. As it says, key changes. Extending coverage of COVID-19 vaccines and seasonal influenza vaccines. Am I wrong in that? That seems pretty stupid. So now you're going to include in this in regular old flu, I shouldn't say that. These are, in my opinion, just as concerning. But that doesn't make sense. And testing. So, we're, you know, PCRs and it's all still going on. That's the, this is, we live in a criminal act. This is a criminal enterprise. There's no way around it. These people don't care about your health. Neither does the EPA, the FDA, or any of the rest of them. It's obvious. And that's not my opinion. Well, I mean, it is my opinion, but the facts on the table make that undeniably clear. How many times do we need to catch them lying, catch them dishonestly using false data, old data, altered data, 
before we go, yeah, that wasn't just another, that wasn't their 140th accident. That was a lie. That was a deliberate misrepresentation to achieve X, Y, and Z. That's where we are. On the same note, let's talk about how they just lied to you about these leaks to engineer a control structure around chat rooms. That'd be my opinion, but I think it's pretty clear that either way, that's what's happening. Pentagon leaks, and we just showed you this, U.S. Air National Guardsman 21 identified. The bottom line is this is a, you know, a super dangerous, you know, the whole point is just beneath the surface. They're implying this is a MAGA right wing chat room QAnon 4chan gun wielding racist. That's, that's I mean, every, everything other than the political party, that's what it says. Now, let's be clear, as I said on the um, on a recent show I was on. Well, shooting guns is a constitutionally protected act. And saying what you want to say, regardless of the not illegal hate speech comment, is also protected under the Constitution. So essentially what they're saying is, this guy does two constitutionally protected things, that makes him a bad guy. Okay, so you get the point? Your government thinks that doing things that the Constitution allow is bad. They don't like the Constitution. Have you not seen that by now? It's not hard to understand. Shooting guns is allowed. Saying things, what they po- the point is they say he made racist comments, racist memes. Now, first of all, to, we'd probably need to see them to actually want to define whether they're racist because what they call racist these days is not always racist. But both of those things are protected under the Constitution, First and Second Amendment. But apparently that's not allowed anymore. Makes you a bad guy. Which is kind of the same point is why we found out that people who believe, quote, too much in the Constitution are considered dangerous to the government. That's a fact. Their own documentation made that clear. The founding document of this country, but we're, we're afraid of those. Why? Because they don't believe in it. Now, here's what Glenn Greenwald points out. Look at what's going on here. First, the New York Times, jointly with the CIA front Bellingcat. Now, don't forget that, by the way. That's a very obvious reality. And Washington Post actually hunted down, exposed, and ensured the arrest of a 21-year-old leaker. Who, by the way, regardless of how you think that, like, my opinion is that this is complete nonsense. That the information that we have actually yet to see that only corporate media apparently is allowed to look at, I don't even believe exists until I have it and I can see it. Either because all the information they're talking about, it seems largely the same thing we saw like the Twitter files discussion, which, by the way, if you haven't realized, is now done. Even though they didn't give you source material, no talk to you files. But yeah, we're going to move on because, you know, free speech and everything. You guys all got played. That's what happened. But the point here, leaker, nobody's seen this stuff but them. Now, the information that came out, like with Ukraine, is interesting. Oh, look, we can see that they have people in NATO. Yeah, we knew that, guys. Now, we maybe we couldn't prove it, but the data was already clear. They already basically said it many times. We know that there are NATO entities inside of Ukraine. There are literally USP personnel inside of Ukraine, CIA and otherwise. So was it really that huge, or was it about creating a justification to achieve a different end? Maybe something like this, where... They say, well, the Biden administration is looking at expanding how it monitors social media sites and chat rooms. Well, because of these law, of these leaks. Oh, well, that's just perfect. We'll come back to that. But here's what he gets, says going forward. Now they're having a party with the docs. So after Washington Post and the New York Times literally hunt down somebody for them, even, and, and my, oh, my point was that you could see him as a whistleblower if you believe the information is true. But either way, they're framing him as such. So if he is a whistleblower... The New York Times and the Washington Post just literally colluded with the government to, to arrest a whistleblower. That's not how that's supposed to work, is it? Unless they're the government and not actually journalists. Now they're having a party with the docs. 
publishing one exclusive after the next, after they bravely obtained them. Now, first point is obviously, well, why are they exclusively releasing this stuff if they just basically got this kid arrested for doing it in the first place? Because this is a, this is a PSYOP, guys. This is an agenda. This is clearly an operation, in my opinion. But he says, each time these news outlets published the reporting on these docs, this is point two, I think most important, as we did, he's talking about him in regard to WikiLeaks and so on, it's an implicit admission that they are newsworthy, at least in their opinion, right? That's an excellent point, that the public should know about them. That's what makes it so repellent that media corporations are, are the ones who hunted him down on behalf of the FBI. So think about this. They got this kid arrested and then proceed to post all of the information, which then at least implicitly argues in their opinion, opinion that it's newsworthy, that they, he did find something. So why is he being arrested? It's like these news agencies are completely aware that they're letting the government arrest the whistleblower as long as they get to publish the information. These people are despicable. He goes, last night, we devoted our system update to the full story of what happened with Assange, in part because it's a fourth, the fourth anniversary of him being imprisoned unjustifiably, but also because it relates to the current leaker. He says, don't forget that a week ago, Reuters published an article claiming that Russia was behind the leak, right? Based on what three officials told them. So now the New York Times and Washington Post are publishing Russian propaganda? Well, no, because they shifted the narrative now, because now they want you to see it. So now, no, forget that first part. We were saying that, so you guys thought, it's just such obvious, that it's so obvious that these are narratives being seeded by people in power and the news, in quotes, like Reuters, and they just post what they're told. Now, I don't think they see it that way. They probably think they have inside sources and so on, but look at what happened with the Poland example with the, with the missile. Every single, including the Associated Press and Reuters, all came out and blatantly said that that was Russia that fired a missile at Poland. Until it got clearly proven that it was not, and Zelensky lied about it. And they all, and even the Associated Press retracted their story. And yet, here we are doing the same thing all over again. They come out and say, it was Russia did it. It says, these media outlets print whatever the U.S. security state tells them to because that's their allegiance. Now, you, I agree with that. But again, you could argue that the people may not, they just choose to not see it and believe they've got sources that give them good information. But it says there were many docs incriminating of the Biden White House and CIA, including ones showing that they lied about the extent of the war in Ukraine and so on. Th those that have been swept aside in favor of narratives the intel agencies like about Chinese balloons and Russian infighting. Now, you could see it that way. And it may be the truth. Or it could just be that all of this is benign stuff that are like the, the Ukraine stuff is meant is meant to make us think that's the big story because they don't point at it when that's obviously not what's going on and on top of that the, the the story that says chinese balloons apparently are a whole new thing and they've got special special information like it turns out china did get stuff oh are we buying that now we're going back to the old stupid chinese spy balloon narrative i thought those were ufos now they're spy balloons again <laughs> pick a story guys under basic journalistic ethics the only time that's justifiable he says indeed required to out a source is when they purposely cause you to disseminate lies does this mean Reuters will reveal which official anonymous sources caused them to falsely claim Russia did the leak? Of course not. They don't care. He says literally every day, major media corporations, New York Times, Washington Post, NBC, CNN, Fox News. It's, I find it very telling. He did not include that. Published leaks of classified information from anonymous officials. What's the difference between them and Jack? Uh, I forget how to pronounce that. The media outlets are publishing what the government order orders them to say. The same establishment playbook is used to malign the character of Lee. These are, this, this is classic. Constant. I mean, if you still think that all of these outlets are somehow objectively trying to report on the truth, 
I just don't, I mean, th- that's the most naive thing I could possibly think about right now. And that does not mean that everybody involved is actively trying to deceive you. But we have to see how the manufacturing consent here, the, the, the way that this works, that as, as you know, pe- I, people have, um, I just don't know why I'm blanking on people's names today. As the, the manufacturing consent in the past, the, the, the documentary and discussion they're in, despite where these people are today with their broken COVID narratives, have made it clear that you know people wouldn't be in these positions if they didn't already hold certain beliefs. Now, they may not realize that, but they're being we- the people are being weeded out. And they want people that are willing to you know overlook certain things to push certain narratives. Now, here's another somebody comments down here. And the Washington Post, for some reason, got their own cache of supplemental leaks, which is pretty ridiculous. So not only did they get leaked information that they not, aren't showing anybody, and just saying that they've seen, which I don't buy, on top of the fact that they got this kid put in jail for doing it and now taking all the credit for what he showed them. But apparently, as she's pointing out, the Washington Post has reviewed source scores of additional secret documents, most of which not have not been made public. Well, none of them have, other than you're saying what's in them, which I don't believe. So where did that come from? Why do they get special information? You may say, oh, because of the Washington Post. Well, the point is not that the, the, the way that this went down doesn't add up to the act, the, the journalistic integrity of the way that this usually goes. Because I think it's obvious we're being played. And as Sal the Agorist excuse me, points out, what's more Orwellian than the press turning whistleblowers over to the states? Over to the state. I mean, really, isn't that the opposite of what they're supposed to be doing? Now, as I said, in my opinion, these leaks that no one has seen are an obvious operation to justify this very move. Which, by the way, they have already been doing for a long time, which is how this usually goes, which is that they're already spying on chat rooms. They are already monitoring your activity online. And this is just the way that they rationalize what they've been doing for 10 years or longer. Oh, now we have to. The Biden administration is looking at expanding how, well, any, they say expanding, so obviously they're doing it, how it monitors social media sites and chat rooms after U.S. Intelligence, intelligence failed to realize classified Pentagon documents circulating online for weeks. Yeah, right. Does anybody actually buy this? Like, maybe there's some truth to this, but this is obviously being abused for weeks. We're going to pretend like it was. And by the way, where were they circulating? Has anybody seen these? Really? We're going to pretend that with circulating online for weeks? I've looked at the chat rooms. I've looked at the, at the you know, Reddit and 4chan. I don't see these. Now, maybe I haven't seen them. If you have them, send them. I'd like to take a look at it. But as far as I can tell, nobody has seen these. So this just seems like a whole cloth lie. I think it's obvious. Problem, reaction, solution. Now we need to enforce these chat rooms. And then guess what? The ch- oh, and by the way, I probably forgot. Don't forget, the person who so- that apparently got this kid caught was an informant that was in the chat room. Now, was that just a kid that decided to tell on this kid, even though he was part of the, ch- of the, of the community? Or was it an obvious FBI plant like everywhere else and possibly who drove the whole thing? That's how this tends to work. Last point. Sal the Agra says, have you noticed a sudden rise in social media accounts with 100K, 300K followers out of nowhere? All with young males in suits calling themselves Gen Z influencers, all seemingly well-spoken with tightly cropped haircuts. Very strange, right? Well, don't forget, Biden's digital strategy of an army of social media influencers. Exactly. We just talked about that. It's the same discussion. So now suddenly he needs to influence. My point was, okay, so when Russia does it, Russian bots and misinformation. When they do it, social media influencers, in quotes. It's the same game, guys. They're trying to manipulate you using propaganda, using either bots or real people to drive narratives. 
the point that he's making, Sal is anyway, that this is obvious. There are fake puppet sock accounts that are popping up, whether driven by real people or not, that are absolutely part of a government operation. And guess what? It's happening on Twitter. That's not by accident. Now, <clears throat> talking about the Twitter discussion in general, or rather just censorship, I wanted to make one point about this in regard to Twitter, or more specifically, the larger Great Reset neural link overlap brain-machine interface. Don't forget that right now, <clears throat> a lot of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the things that Elon Musk is a part of, well, I mean, every single part of the Great Reset, the brain-machine interface, universal basic income, I mean, every one of these things he supported. So I argue that one of the large reasons he was put in this position, if that's what happened, is because he would allow the, just like with Trump getting elected, that I think pacified the most resistant groups, thinking that he was on their side. So the militias and the constitutionalists stood back when in any other circumstance they would have been screaming martial law, right? I think that's what this is too. Just like I think uh, Sam Husseini made that argument as well, that this is essentially the Trump version of this, where Elon Musk is being inserted in the situation to pacify people who would, in any other circumstance, be calling this for what it is. So now you've got people on the right who are supporting things like Neuralink and all these things that Elon Musk is fighting for to stop cancer, of course. And they don't realize that it's a sort of backdoor and they're allowing the same thing to go forward just under a different narrative. So on that same point, John Allen, Joe Allen points out, quote, as it has done with technology such as hypersonic missiles. China is looking to break U.S. dominance by building a solid research foundation for developing intellectual capacity in the area of brain-machine interface. Well, first point is the only reason they have hypersonic missiles is because they're the pipeline through Israel where this stuff gets just basically handed over to China, which James Corbett's talked about this, and I, don't, I, think, I think the U.S. is aware of this. I, don't think it's, I think there's a lot more going on here. Either way, China working on brain-machine interface is framed as dueling research. Like, we're back in the space race all over again, right, with Russia. We're fighting to get there first. Is that what's happening? Maybe. Maybe. Even if that is what's happening, there's still somewhat coordination at some level behind the scenes. But on top of that, I actually think this is about justifying taking sides. So now you're going to have people on the right who may have been very uncomfortable about Neuralink and Brain Machine Interface who are going to go, oh, China, China, bad guy. Well, we got to support the right Brain Machine Interface, right? We have to make sure we support the right Neuralink on the good guy side. I know that sounds very childish and naive, and it, because it is, but people will fall for it. That's how this works. It's very simple to see these games these days if you just stand outside the two-party illusion. It's very clear to me. Now, I could be wrong. It's my opinion. But watch as this happens. Now, Slow News Day points out, Steve, Steve uh, Poikin points out that, uh, the, first, here's the activist post writing, while Musk left the board of OpenAI in 2018, the launch of the new AI startup will place him among other tech giants, such as Google and Microsoft, to build the next generation AI. He is completely immersed in all of this, guys. And as Slow News Day points out, in 2015, Musk says, AI will destroy humanity. I remember that. 2017, he said, plug my chip into your brain, or rather just the, you know, kind of, in quotes, encapsulation of the sentiment of that moment. 2018, Musk said, I'm going to start multiple AI projects. 2022, Musk says, I'm going to buy Twitter and turn it into WeChat. 2023, welcome to X app. And he says, midwits, Elon is for the people. It's just so obvious. It's so obvious where this is going. 
on censorship, and I'm going to touch on the X, the X, um, well, let's just do this really quickly since we are, we're going there next. Don't, this is important. This is happening already. Whitney and I were just talking about this. This is April 11th, guys. This, this is five days ago. Twitter, quote, no longer exists as a company. It merged with Musk's X-Corp. Oh, you didn't know that? I wonder why. I wonder why that's not being bandied around everywhere. Wouldn't it, Don't you think that the corporate media, who has been openly calling him every bad name under the sun, oh, he's, he's creating extremism and white supremacy, why don't they point this out? Isn't that very telling? Wouldn't they be screaming about how, look at what he just did. He destroyed this and he did that. Suddenly, they're all dead silent about it. It's almost like they support this direction, right? We need to pick up on things like that. This is a larger agenda. And it's very telling how it seems that nobody who in every other moment is willing to call him out for everything just completely looks the other way. Last month, Twitter CEO Elon Musk told employees that they'd be eligible to receive stocks in X Corporation, the new name for the holding company that he initially set up to purchase Twitter, telling them that soon Twitter could be worth $250 billion. More recently, an April court filing shows that Twitter, Inc., has in fact officially merged with XCorp. That happened, achieving Musk's goal of wiping out Twitter, Inc. as a company. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's still, still called Twitter, but the point is Twitter, Inc. is gone. It is now mer- it's XCorp. Remember, and he tweeted out, as it says right here, he tweeted this out, just X. That's what he was talking about. The court filing confirmed that Twitter, Inc. no longer exists. It says some speculate that Twitter becoming XCorp is the next step in Musk's plan, which it is, and he's been open about this, to launch the Everything app, just like China's WeChat. You know, because that would include your digital ID, your vaccine passport, your carbon passport, everything else, your credit cards and everything else, and probably cure cancer too, so we can ignore all the rest of that stuff. That's where this goes. This is obviously a problem. Whether he knows it or not, or whether anybody see, this is the consolidation of their digital, this is a choke point of the digital technocratic direction. And down here it says, Musk has said that he thinks he could transform Twitter into X, the everything app, within the next five years. He said that before this started. Back in the early 2000s, when Musk's online bank X merged with PayPal, you know, the same PayPal that censored all of us, me, stole my money, saying he, that's, that's Musk's bank has merged with PayPal all back then. So Mr. Free Speech, Mr. Not Censorship, is still working with this group. Leadership decided to keep the name PayPal due to its broader brand recognition after Musk lost a popular vote. But understand, Musk's online bank X merged with PayPal. So why are we pretending that while PayPal still censors people everywhere, that he somehow is all about free speech? Well, you could argue he doesn't have complete control over it, which is fair, and seemingly does in Twitter. That's a good point. But it says now Musk's vote is likely the only one that counts, and thus Twitter Inc. has now become X Corp. Well, there we are. But of course, all the people that want to, you know, chill for Elon Musk and ignore all of this writing on the wall will make up all sorts of narratives and some people will fall for it. But the censorship continues. Dr. Dave Jonda, Dave Jonda, still Twitter banned right now. He, he's talked on how doctors walked away from their Hippocratic Oath and let the virus slaughter their patients after that, that, that they pushed COVID vaccination. None have the guts to face us now, he says, walk of shame. And what he's talking about is the fact that all these doctors, regardless of your opinion about the virus or not, that the, what they're saying is that their perception was this thing was killing people and they looked the other way. That's kind of my point from before about, you know, despite the disagreement, which is a valid conversation to have, 
And, you know, people should be able to dispute that without getting angry at each other and having a conversation about it. Not everybody who disagrees with that topic is a shill or an agent or it's possible, but facts matter. And you should be able to prove things before you accuse somebody of something. But at the end of the day, the point they keep trying to make is regardless of where you think on that point, we can still see the same thing. We can see doctors who did believe in that, who did look the other way. You see my point? Like, that's why I keep trying to point out, trying to, you know, bridge the gap and still have this conversation because we are all in agreement who's at fault here. Just to stick the 9-11 thing. It's the same game. This has been divided. It's meant to keep us divided. And Tom Rents again points out critical and breaking. I cannot post any version of the tweet below. Now, I don't know if he has sensed this, but I keep seeing this from him and he's right. I mean, I've seen the same thing happen with certain topics. He's trying to post on, guess what? MRNA. Uh, where was it? The, uh, uh, Oh, no, this, there was one that, there's one like that as well. But this one, the fight against humanity continues. They now want to kill you without informed consent to harvest your organs. No, this is the same overlap. He's talking about the without informed consent, the same conversation. In any case, he's posted a few things like this, and the same things happen. He's saying the AAN wants to change the law to allow them to kill comatose people. We've seen this a lot during this, this COVID illusion. But here we are. People like Tom Rance, who still kind of petitions him, going, come on, Elon, help me. No, I don't know. You, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know why we think he's still on our side. But, you know, the point is that this is still, it works for people on some political sides, but he's still being censored too. Now, one last point before we jump into Mexico on, on possible other manipulation. I just, I, I continue to point out what I keep seeing on Rumble. I'm very concerned about where this goes, but I thought something was very telling here. Now, we, we've been doing this show, the, the, uh, the pirate stream, the, you know, the pirate stream, dialectical dissidents, for 12 episodes now. Every single one of these episodes has been 50,000 plus. Every single one of them. For some reason, this one has been stalled at just over 3,000 since day one. It reached 3,000 in day one. But I'm supposed to pretend that only 270 people have watched this since then. That's, I know that's not true. You know why? Because I can see the engagement on the upvotes, which is very similar to my other video with 70,000 views. So either we're being lied to about 70,000 views or this is somehow not. And the point is, this episode was, is being praised by a lot of people. That was a fantastic episode. Now, I point out, of course, it could be possible that they just hated it. Maybe nobody likes it anyway. I mean, it's all possible. But I think what's interesting is how you can see that we have, you know, like my last show got 14,000 views on my last daily wrap-up. And just quickly to go down to the other one, you can see here. 81,000 views. I mean, this one alone has gone up 10,000 views since last time I looked at it. There's just something wrong here, guys. And I'm, I'm very, like, I keep people are telling me that it won't play properly. It wouldn't play for me one time. So I don't know what that means. I'm not insinuating that. I'm not claiming I know what's going on. But I do believe that there is manipulation happening on this platform. I do believe that despite getting hundreds of thousands of views in day to day with a v- videos that have almost a million views on my platform here on Rumble, that I still get maybe you know, a few dollars if that based you know i get like i had this platform for a long time now and i've only gotten maybe a hundred dollars total since this entire thing's been up there are videos on every single or advertisements on every single one of my videos here and yet i I just there's something amiss here guys i feel it on my bones but you know question it question me question this i just don't believe that rumble is ultimately on our side i really don't and i think that they have all the same choke points and i'm just concerned that people are funneling into this only to be pulled the rug to be pulled out at some point just like it was with youtube just be on guard is all i'm saying now talking about mexico i keep i keep saying this just like i do with bolivia 
I see the writing on the wall. I said it before this happened. I said it before many different things happened because I, I feel like I can see the way that the, you know, for instance, it's the, the typical things you see, the changing of, you know, reserve currencies or, or the alignment with other powers. These things continue to drive U.S. action. As, as unjustified as they may be, right? Because it's not allowed that other groups are allowed to work with other entities. They're only allowed to work through the United States. Well, that's what authoritarian and fascism is like, right? That's what they're doing. My point is that I've been pointing out that I think AMLO, the leader, is has been targeted. They, they don't like him. They don't like the fact that he bucks certain things they want to accomplish from U.S. foreign policy. And then we saw this. Graham says he will introduce Bill to set the stage, literally, for U.S. to use military force in Mexico. That wasn't hyperbole. That's actually what he said. And what the, the gist of it, I won't go through the whole article again, is that he simply said that he will, they will just, he'll just, if they don't do what he's saying, because apparently Lindsey Graham is the president and he can demand that foreign countries do what he wants, see how stupid that is, is ultimately that they have to do what they want in regard to something in regard to the cartels or, you know, get all of these guys in line. It's just as simple as that, right? Just step up and, and stop them all. Because is that what our government does? How does it work? How is Chicago and Baltimore working out? Let's step in and deal with it, guys. Just take care of it, right? It's simple, right? Anyway, even if that's the reality, the point is he's saying do that or we're going to pass legislation that deems the cartels terrorists. So therefore, we can invade them because that's how lawless these entities are. They can just write things on paper and say, now we can do it. Do you agree with that? You shouldn't because they're broken. This is rampant lawlessness. And then today or excuse me, 14th, but I saw it today, U.S. charges 28 members of Mexico's uh, Sinaloa cartel, including El Chapo's sons. Now, the bottom line here is there's no mention of terrorism. But I do think this is a step in this direction, where what they're doing is establishing that this is a problem. Now, this, of course, this is all despite 95% of the fentanyl coming through the mail from China. But let's not talk about that and only focus on the part where we politically want to point at, right, how this typically works. Sort of how we'll scream about Venezuela being a narco trafficker and completely ignore how Colombia is a leading cocaine trafficker in the world. Who cares, though, because we're they're an ally, right? That's, that's how much they care about the drug trafficking. Because in every year since, it's increased, despite even Lindsey Graham himself pointing at Colombia as a successful model. And you can point out that since U.S. involvement, their, Columbia, their drug output has only increased. That's how it works. Afghanistan, same thing. Poppies exploded. And it's gone down, actually, since they left. Exactly the same point, because the Taliban doesn't want it there. It was the U.S. military, or rather the government, that made that increase by 90% within the first day, uh, within the first year they were there. Now, the point is they're saying drug trafficking. And I do believe this is going to build as they hype the idea that this is killing people everywhere and drugs and all the, despite the fact that the opioid crisis was completely allowed by our government, which killed far more people. But, you know, facts, right? But I think it's leading to a direction where they will try to establish this as terrorism if they don't already have it in the Patriot Act, which I'll show you next. If Mexico does not fall in line. Now, here is what I saw. Ah, son of a gun. I thought I had this. Uh, oh, that one's still there. Well, anyway, I, I think this is. Oh, OK, it's still there. Good. The point on this was simple. This is the Patriot Act, which you might not remember this, actually. A lot of people are, are from, you know, this is from 2001. This is a long time ago. It's called the Uniting and Strengthening America, but providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism, you know, as the USA Patriot Act of 2001. 
Interesting, though, right? The appropriate tools to require to intercept and obstruct terrorism. It was so broad and so open and so many loopholes that they could apply this however they want, wherever they, that's how this works. Now, this isn't the only thing that allows them to just invade foreign countries. There's the War Powers Act and a lot of different things involved there. But the main point here, I thought this was interesting. Now, this is not like a complete catch-all. It doesn't just completely allow them to do whatever they want. But I did think this was interesting because in the Patriot Act, it actually discusses bulk cash smuggling into or out of the United States, which I thought was strange because this doesn't na- make it about foreign entities, which I also think this has overlap with the Great Reset and the cash direction and everything. Because check this out. First of all, it says signs of drug trafficking, terrorism, and money laundering. So they kind of include them as one thing. So I, I do think that's where that's pointing. But either way, par- this is interesting. So the purpose of what they're discussing in this section is to make the act of smuggling, which is whatever they want to perceive it as, you crossing the border is smuggling if they want it to be, bulk cash itself a criminal offense. And we've seen this in act in, in, in all sorts of locations. It doesn't even necessarily say the border, even. The, the act of smuggling bulk cash itself a criminal offense. Now, it does say up here, into and out of the United States, but, you know, you know how easy these things are just overlooked and ignored. Either way, the bottom line is I've seen the, the asset forfeiture in our country, which whether this is that or not, the point is the police do the same thing just because you have money on you. Because they decide they think you're going to use it for illicit means. But here we have people that are coming into the, into the country with money and they just go, oh, you're, you can't do that. Illegal. Because we've deemed it illegal. To authorize forfeiture of any cash or instruments of smuggling offense. So interestingly enough, Now people aren't allowed to bring you even. You aren't allowed to leave or bring in large amounts of money, regardless of why, because they just deemed it so in 2001. That's pretty interesting for the same direction of the CBDCs and all of that. But something tells me that this or new legislation combined with this is going to justify what they're doing as needing to act militarily. Just my opinion. Just trying to read the tea leaves exactly like we did with Bolivia, which if you remember, we called that. I literally wrote an entire show called the, excuse me, the impending regime change of Bolivia. And I think it was within months they they removed him from office. It's very easy to see. Now, this gets into the interesting part of the overlap with the Azov movement, which I, I actually couldn't believe. As much as it makes perfect sense, because I do believe this is an international CIA operation. And it literally is international. We have to realize that the Azov movement has international arms all over the world. The Charlottesville Rise Above Movement, which is what these people are, that is the Azov movement's international arm in the United States. It's on the record. Casa Pound is the Italy version. There's one in Germany. They're all over the world. You can prove this is a CIA CIA operation. It's right here, I think. The documents are in here. I'll bring it up just so you guys can see it for those that want to check it out. This was written in 1966, but this has been ongoing since 1948. Project Aerodynamic. Support for the Ukrainian immigrant group ZPUHVR, which if, we, if you can re- read the document I've done it, or watch the show, I wanted this whole thing. That is an extremist fascist entity. Now, what they did is they plucked out a person called Mr. Mykola Lebed from Poland, who was in, arrested because he was a Nazi war criminal. Literally. Easy to prove. Not a neo-Nazi, but an actual Nazi war criminal. And he was arrested. And the point is they saved him. 
you know, because they're fighting bad guys, right? And they put him in position as president of Prologue, which was literally a U.S. media company that also had a presence in Ukraine. And from there, you can read the whole story about how they built this in order to quagmire the Soviet Union, which later became Russia. And now they're doing the same thing. It's as easy as that. It's so simple to read into this and understand. And you can see they're talking about the USSR will be gathered to satisfy United States needs. Intelligence on the USSR will be gathered. This is what it was all about. So back to the point, we know that they have been building this all the way since then. And it is the Azov movement. On top of that, I've included this, which I've shared many times. All the links are included in this. All the links from Newsweek and the Courthouse News, all these information from foreign policy showing you four simple facts or four images with simple, numerous facts. One, which is that they, the, the Azov Battalion is a paramilitary unit of the Ukrainian National Guard, which is a, known for its association with neo-Nazi ideology and use of Nazi symbolism. And the point is, this is the, uh, the FBI, or is this the one? In a post containing a photograph of the Rise Above, member, uh, Rise Above Movement members during their trip to Germany, Ukraine, and Italy, meeting with Olena Semenkia, the leader of the International Department for the National Corps, which is a political party in the Ukraine that was founded in 2016 as a regiment of the Ukrainian military called at the time the Azov Battalion. Right? This is documentation from the FBI directly. Now, again, all this is linked. You can look at it all for yourself. Here is the, this was the nation, I believe. Congress removed a ban on funding neo-Nazis in 2016. They lied about that. They still argue that didn't happen, but they literally at the last minute removed it from the spending bill to allow them to fund the Nazi group that they knew were dangerous. Look up what they were writing in 2016 about this group. They were funding them at that time. Then in 2018, they did in fact initiate a ban, but guess what? They kept doing it. And to this very day, that ban literally lists the Azov movement in the U.S. legislation. And they still fund them today. And there's even an inclusion in there that talks about whether it goes directly to them or through other parties. And that's what they're doing. They're funding the Ukraine. And they go, well, we're not funded directly. Well, it doesn't matter. You're still breaking your own laws. They don't care. This is from foreign policy, or this was, uh, yeah, foreign policy, I believe. A Yahoo News report in January described a covert CIA training program for elite Ukrainian special operations forces. That's the Azov movement and other intelligence personnel that was launched in 2015 by Obama. Just like even NATO admitted they've been doing so. Stoltenberg said that. Okay, then this was the Newsweek article where the expert speaking on this, uh, I believe his name was Kuzmenko, he cites a prominent example of the Azov Special Operations, known as the Azov Battalion, and he says it was established by Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior. It was later transferred to the National Guard, right? Not just one little thing. It's become immersed in the government. It says, Oz via Azov's political wing, the National Corps Party, described by researchers as neo-Nazi, the movement has gone international. That's according to Newsweek, right before this all kicked off. Known contacts in Germany's neo-Nazi third path is what it's called. America's rise above movement, Italy's Casa Pound. Okay, so the point here in all of this, for those that haven't seen it, is these are verifiable facts. Everything we just listed off. So this discussion becomes very, very interesting when you realize that those right, the rise above movement, which is what kicked off the entire MAGA racist conversation, you know, driving cars into protesters and tiki torches and they will not replace us. That was all the rise above movement, which you can read for yourself, is literally a verifiable arm of the Azov movement, which is very clearly a CIA operation. Simple, very simple. So if we know that, why don't we ask whether or not this is still being used? I mean, it is obvious. 
That's my opinion, but I think the facts make it clear. Now we have an example from Tristan Snell pointing out 86% of fentanyl convictions at the U.S.-Mexico border are in fact of U.S. citizens, not immigrants. Like this guy, one of the Charlottesville Tiki Torch Nazis, caught smuggling 33 pounds of fentanyl at the border. Who, this, is, this, he says, is who's smuggling fentanyl. Now, you, people may miss the bigger picture here and just go, yeah, make right Nazis or whatever, but realize that the real picture here, to me, stands out as yet another CIA operation justifying yet another regime change operation. So if we're really trying to create the illusion that there is some massive operation, of which you can prove there is obviously fentanyl and different things, all sorts of drug trafficking happening across the border, much of which is completely involving the U.S. government, but in this case, they're trying to create an illusion that this is the gangs doing all of this. And now suddenly you have an entity directly tied to the CIA through other foreign policy operations getting caught smuggling 33 pounds of fentanyl. Is this the justification of the very agenda needed to drive this whole thing? Is this a large internet? I mean, there's a lot of questions here, but in any case, how obvious this becomes. Here's the example. Charlottesville Tiki torture killed himself before drug smuggling trial. Teddy Joseph Van Newcomb, one of the most prominent faces lit by the glow of tiki torches in what became the lasting image of the 2017 white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, killed himself as he was due to face criminal trial last month. 35-year-old skipped out on his first day of trial for a drug trafficking charge in Arizona on the morning of January 30th, according to court records. At the very moment, a federal judge was issuing a warrant for his arrest. It says Von Newcomb was actually still at his home in Missouri, where he had walked out in the snow behind the hay shed and shot himself. The details were listed in an autopsy report obtained exclusively by Daily Beast. Well, that's interesting. I wonder why they didn't say died of mysterious, you know, like, you know, I'm tr- trying to make a joke, but the point is that, you know, the injection discussion and they always just, you know, died and just don't give any details. Now they've got multiple details. It says suicide notes were found at the scene. Uh, where was the point about the, where was that? Hold on. There it is. So it says at the rally, uh, let's see, where was it? Uh, it says he, the neo-Nazis raged against minorities and immigrants whom racists accuse of harming the country. They, that make, this is all the Azov movement, guys, verifiably. That made it all the more ironic that Von Newcomb was arrested on March 17, 2021, while entering the United States from Mexico. On his way to Arizona, they grabbed him with 15 kilograms, so a little over 33 pounds of fentanyl pills hidden behind his seat in floor compartments. I find that very interesting. Now, the overall point here is just to realize that if you continue to read into this the way they want you to see it, you'll see the story they're selling. But if we, if we, if we ask why, it all seems to stem back to this very obvious operation. At the very least, it could mean it could just be that this guy is, you know, tied to this group and just happened to be caught doing that. It's certainly possible, but I think it's bigger than that. And I think we have a pretty good track record of reading what we can see and deducing where this seems to be going. Now, I'll include all of this, as I always do, all these different discussion points. Here is the one where we realize that January 6th was always a very clear government operation and important. Oh, that was the other part. Just the idea that this, including with this, January 6th, which is very clearly the failed false flag meant to blame Russia, which it always was, in my opinion, and you using the CIA grown Azov battalion. The reason being is that I, we can prove that this guy who was part of the Azov movement was there screaming things in Russian. It's an easy thing to prove. Watch this show for yourself. 
He's in a, he is a Ukrainian, part of the Azov movement that was there on January 6th. Here's a picture with the QAnon guy. And he was yelling, let's go, let's go in Russian. Why? This was a failed operation, in my opinion. This was meant to draw back to try. The, like I already showed you in previous shows that the Azov movement was already, they were already claiming that the everything, all the Nazi elements in Ukraine were because of Russia. Somebody made that argument months ago. Saying, see, we knew it. It all turns out that all the leaders are actually Russian spies. They were actually making an argument because the whole game has always been to release the bombshell and prove that it's all actually Russia. And they've always been doing this to you. And then suddenly it's all because of them. Oh, look at all the all the train crashes. And it turns out it was always a Russia cyber attack. It's all about building these pieces to connect all of this. That's my opinion. But you explain to me why all this adds up and then realize that they have Antifa members that were there as well, yelling that they tricked them. I can't believe we did it. And I can't believe we got them. And I wear my MAGA hat and I can't believe they bought it. They just ignore all that. And then lastly, the MAGA trap has been set discussion, realizing that they're trying to drive action. I mean, in my opinion, actively trying to drive action from people to to justify the agenda. I think it's very clear, personally. Now, let's talk about Ukraine, since we bring this discussion up. Let me close some of these really quickly. Now, Ukraine, I mean, keeping this conversation in mind, knowing what's actually going on in Ukraine, knowing what this group really is. Here is what Senator Joe Manchin just said. In my lifetime, I've never seen the United States of America in a war more just. Oh, you, you didn't know the U.S. is in a war? Yeah, despite what they'll tell you. Let me just say, it's been an unbelievable, uh, an un- unbelievable meetings that we've been able to have in a visit to see up front, person to person, uh, the determination and the skill and the will of the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian people. And it's our pleasure to be able to give them all the support we possibly can, go back home to America, be able to explain our commitment, to basically show the support that we have and the commitment that we have to make sure that we're here for this entire fight and this entire victory that the Ukrainian people want, the Ukrainian government. We had great conversations with President Zelensky. We just finished up with him and all of his staff and briefed all the way along. So I've told him in my lifetime I've never seen the United States of America in a more just war than what this one is. The purpose of America is to defend freedom and basically fight for the democracies that people have a desire to to live in. And that's what we're doing. And we're in it to win it with them, and we'll give them all the support we need. You know, democracies like Israel, democracies like Ukraine, you know, not democracies like Syria or other places you can prove are actually democratic. But no, no, the the ones that are clearly openly acting in fascist tactics and authoritarian violence, like, like France. Clear democracies, right? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how all the, quote, democracies are all the ones acting out in violent fashion, authoritarian action, but all the ones out here that you can prove, like in Venezuela or Bolivia, that have international observers that literally testify to the fact that it's obviously legitimate, but they just say otherwise. <laughs> Hashtag freedom. But here is Joe Manchin, who is, you know, running for senator of West Virginia. So it totally makes sense that he went over to Ukraine to support a foreign leader that is completely puppeted and backed up by Western. Like, why does it make sense that any, like when Pelosi goes somewhere, why are they going overseas to do this at all? That's, that's not their job. 
I, I mean, I may, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe it is the job of senators to go overseas and conduct foreign policy. I think that's all show in politics. Either way, here's the, you know, Joe moment where he gets to act like I'm part of the team and I'm going to shake his hand. And we're all, you know, the bottom line is what I wrote here. So the U.S. is at war then. Thanks for clarifying that for us, Joe. Most of us already knew this was a proxy war anyway. Also, what you guys are funding in Ukraine could not be any further removed from the word just. Hashtag Project Aerodynamic. Whether he knows it or not, I really don't even care. They, I, half, most of these politicians are, are aggressively uninformed. That's the truth. You are more informed about the average in, in, day in and day out than these people. Not all of them. But some of them in power, like the Pelosi's of the world or the Lindsey Graham's, I believe, are completely, they believe they're hyped up on their own hubris, like a Trump, I believe, where they believe they have all the information because they're told that. And they would love to believe that they're on the top of the food chain. Now, this guy interviews a bunch of people in Ukraine. You know, the, the peace-loving democracy that Joe wants you to think it is. And get, they, these, are these people who love Bandera, you know, the Nazi war criminal. And at least one of them they talked to had a swastika. Right. But they conclude at the end of the story. No Nazis here. It's all good. Let's take a look. March 29, 2023. It says and this is uh, written by Mr. Rafe Murray Murphy. So you can you know, make sure you know who to uh, you know, who to consider a completely. What's the right word I'm looking for? Somebody who completely does not understand what he's looking at or as a liar or however you want to frame it. My curiosity, he says, is peaked. By the patent swastika on Krill's wrist, one of the people he's speaking with, though he claimed his Nazi sympathies were a thing of the past, and both men claimed to have left the football hooligan world behind, I felt may uncover some more answers here. Of course, they frame this, all the ridiculous narratives that it's like football hooligans and their fight clubs. It's totally not a CIA operation. But it says, I had been in Ukraine for a little over a week. And Bandera, who again is a very well-known Nazi work, you know, Nazi just a Nazi, right? You know, the point is you can call him whatever you want. He's a person who was known for horrific acts during the, that time period. And it says one week, a uh, little over one week, and Bandera had become an enduring viewpoint, he says. So it's everywhere. Vladimir Putin has justified the invasion of Ukraine by claiming to denazify the country and has specified targeting the Banderites as the enemy. Right. OK, so that makes sense then. If, if he's talking to people and they're all over saying we support that, regardless of what their justification is or the, the nuance around who he was and who he is. Then does not make Putin right? Assuming that's actually what Putin thinks, which is a big question. Well, let's read further. Let's see what he finds with his vet in his thorough investigation. But who was Stefan Bandera and why does he matter? You know, giving the illusion of potential objectivity, he says the promotion of blood and soil ethno nationalism, <clears throat> the collaboration with the Nazi regime, and the genocidal acts of the OUN members have implicated Bandera. I love that. Even then, you can't implicate it like we're disputing this happened in the murder of some 200,000 Poles and Jews. What's funny to me is that he says implicated. I think you'll find out why. Because he's disputing whether the real history, like right on the surface of this, I find it hilarious. Well, I'll hold the point until I get to this next statement. You'll see why it's more relevant. Bandera has seen a surge in support, he says. The typically Western Ukrainian confines of his support <clears throat> have spilled over. Excuse me, I had to cough really quickly. Have spilled over 
and one poll of April 2022, so a poll taken in Ukraine, saw 74% of people who did the poll returning positive views of Bandera. So right there in Ukraine, he took there's a poll taken. It says that 74% of people believe that Bandera is somebody to support. And yet he will go through this and quibble and debate about whether that's the case. Is that how that works? Do they take a poll that says that, you know, we don't support what's going on and they just argue that, well, here's some, the bottom line is when polls work out the way they like, here's a poll that says nobody trusts the vaccine. Are we then going to go through and, or what's the right way to frame it actually? Anyway, so if it says 74% of people believe that this thing works, the vaccine, and then you find out they only took the poll in a very specific area in one blue state, the point is they will still frame it as exactly what they want it to be. But in this case, because they don't like the outcome. Now they're going to go into the number and dispute why that may be the case. That you just see the, the, the willingness to try to justify something when they want to and have no air in the conversation when they don't want to because they're hypocrites. But it says, why was there any truth to the Russian claim? That's actually what he just said. So 74% of people have openly said, yes, we support Bandera and the history of that Nazi criminal. And then we're going to, well, was that were they right? Is fascism on the rise? What does Bandera represent? Ah, and there's the question. So now we're going to get into disputing the true history of what this person was. You know, the person that we've all, before Russia invaded, you couldn't bring this up without being called a Nazi and a bad person. But now because Russia says that guy's bad, we're going, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe we don't understand the history. Do you begin to see where this is going? It says, surely, sat here with two ex-football hooligans and one ex-neo-Nazi, I would find out. You know, we're, we've already forgotten the 74% poll, though, right? He says, quote, this, this hooligan says, in regard to Bandera, he's like William Wallace, a national defender. But politically, I am neutral towards him. Yeah, that's, I'm, woo, man, that guy's totally not, we don't know, it's clearly a different opinion. He says, uneasy with the conflation of genocidal fascism with freedom fighting, I began to press further. <laughs> this is pathetically stupid. Quote, what about the massacre of the Poles? And it gets cut off. And the guy goes, look, guy. He killed invaders. We will kill them all. And the all the invaders. That's what the guy said. And yet he goes on to dispute that this guy is actually a Nazi or actually an extremist. He literally cut the guy off and went on to say, we'll kill them all. Talking about Poles and Jews. I mean, think about how ridiculous it is from this author's perspective to make the argument that this isn't what's happening because of what comes next. Now, you get the point I was making before. If somebody were to stand up right now and go, oh, hey, let's, that's perfect, actually. Let's take the point that uh, – Z- or well, I'm just going to say uh, – oh, now I'm forgetting his real name. Apparently today is the theme of me forgetting everybody's names. Oh, man. That's crazy. Z- well, okay. We talked – I can't believe I can't remember either of those names. So it was the discussion of the guy who went on Alex Jones with the hood on and basically tried to say that Nazis were misunderstood or – is misunderstood. G or Z? What did he change his name to? And I'm forgetting his real name, which is just ridiculous right now. Give me in the chat what his name was, and I'll, I'll say it so people don't get lost. The point is, he goes on Alex Jones, and he goes, he says, love everybody, right? You, you don't understand. He had some good things, too, and he got completely just torn apart for that. And you may think that's right. Regardless of your opinion, the point is that you're not allowed to do that, right? You can't go on and say, I think Hitler was misrepresented. I think his history was different. I think that there was a conspiracy around framing it this way or that way. We all know that. You're Kanye West. Thank you. Kanye West is who I was talking about. The point is, 
we all know that's a, you're not allowed to go there. You're not allowed to talk about the Holocaust. You're not allowed to dispute these things. But weirdly enough, suddenly, now because Russia comes in and says, yes, they're Nazis, now this guy writes the second half of this article trying to dispute, well, the, well maybe Bandera was misunderstood. Maybe he was a freedom fighter. And maybe that's why this isn't exactly what Russia says. There you go. All done. No Nazis because Bandera was actually maybe a hero. Maybe not, but we'll leave it there. I can't believe, and no one's attacking this guy. No one's coming out and screaming, you're a Nazi supporter. <laughs> I just think this is hilarious. He goes on to say, Bandera has become a sort of national glue. A glue that binds individuals together in resistance to Russian repression. At the cost of glossing over the problematic elements of his legacy. <laughs> Can you even imagine writing that sentence? So this Nazi who you just wrote had been responsible for murdering 200,000 people, who you just wrote that 74% of the country supports, regardless of what you think they believe of this person, he says it's a glue that binds the country together, and you're still arguing Russia's wrong, but then go, well, you know, at the cost, because of Russian repression, you know, and we'll gloss over the part of where he's a murderer. Everywhere I visited, he says, similar answers were given. How many more times do you need to see that the predominant amount of people in this country are supporting of this? At least in the perception of who is left there. Because remember, a lot of people have left and fled and gone to Russia, gone outside because of all this. So it makes sense the people left are predominantly of this mindset. It says, in Israeli-Ukrainian historian and public activist, <coughs> excuse me, public activist, has commented on this phenomenon of forgetting arguing that, quote, in terms of public awareness, the only thing important about figures like Bandera is that they fought for Ukrainian independence, period. He actually said that. An Israeli said, the only thing that's really important is, you know, and he does it for figures like Bandera, which would include Hitler, right? We're talking about Nazi criminals. So he's basically saying that in terms of public awareness, the only thing that's important is that he fought for independence. Well, isn't that the same with any of the other terrible people? I can't even believe that this is this is a, this is like the equivalent of the trans conversation creating error for the Second Amendment to be attacked by the right. I mean, I, this is just hilarious. And it shows you that these people don't believe in anything. Suddenly, an Israeli is saying, yeah, well, it's the only thing that really matters is that he fought for independence for Ukraine. So we'll just overlook all of the horrible things this person did. It goes on to say that feeling persists not because so-called banderism is an ideology and it's widespread in Ukraine. You know, despite everything we just read, it simply isn't, he says. Far-right parties have little traction. Okay, so 74% say yes, we agree with him. They just told you we'll kill all invaders when you ask about Poles and Jewish people. And only because you say right parties haven't have little traction because they call themselves not right despite them being wildly and openly fascist and openly neo-Nazi, you just go, well, they're not, though, because, see, the far-right parties don't have traction. Therefore, they don't believe in this guy widespread, despite what they just told us. This is straight-up propaganda and poorly executed. This guy is trying to argue it's not happening, despite everything in the article saying otherwise. Quote, when we were speaking about such national heroes, like Bandera, I had such an awkward feeling, he said. They were not right. They were like monsters. Anna continued, oh, excuse me, this is the woman he's speaking to. So this woman is saying, we're talking about these heroes, and she felt awkward because, you know, they were like monsters. She continues, quote, now I understand this is not my true feeling. Now it is time to look into their history, into their victories over the devils of their time. He's talking about the Jews and the Poles. 
to learn it properly and to tell to my kids the true story. Ah, so she's going, well, I learned the truth. Bandera was not the person they said, or at least the, what they're framing. But the reality of the history is pretty clear. So is this person being manipulated by propaganda to believe he wasn't what he was? Or is they re, are, she, are she just realizing that the nationalism idea, the extremist version of what they're doing, not the same as just being a nationalist in a nonviolent way, but these people are extremists. They're neo-Nazis. They're fascists. That suddenly that it's okay because, well, he fought the bad guys that we were defending for Ukraine. She said, I can't say he was a hero, but she stressed that, quote, there's so much information that needs to be learned in another way. So this guy is allowing the conversation to be set where they get to undermine the reality of this here, of this, this person's past that they see as a hero. Go ahead and try to do that with Hitler and see what happens. Why is this allowed? Because it's about controlling the narrative of Ukraine. Nothing means anything. Everything means nothing. These people are liars and hypocrites, and they will say anything. I am not convinced, he said, that banderism poses any threat to people at large. Fringe extremists may exist either now or in the future. So now suddenly it doesn't even matter anyway. Now it doesn't even matter because they believe in this guy. And yes, he was an extremist. You know, just, but I don't think it poses a threat. So let's just stop talking about it. So there may be some truth in the Russian claim that Ukrainians are, in fact, banderites, despite the fact in this very article up there, he said that wasn't true. So that's pretty stupid. But he goes on to say, but only in the loosest of senses, only in the sense that he partly stands for Ukrainian resistance. So you somehow know that all of them only like the part of him that fought for freedom, and you just pretend that they all ignore all the racist, bigoted Nazism and killing? Yeah, no big deal. We know what they like and don't like, don't we? As to the claims that Ukrainians are neo-Nazis and ideological pure banderites, he straight up says BS. You know, despite the verifiable evidence that that's what they are. And, you know, the CIA operation that proves that that's what they are. But, you know, Fake news, because Guy said so. Pretty damn stupid, right? And then you can realize that as we're talking about this whole story, that the reason, or rather, oh, hold on, did I get this mixed up? There was something I was going to overlap with this, but ultimately, I I include this to make make sure we understand that this is not unique to... I mean, whether we're talking about the Israeli government, the UK government, the US government, they are all actively involved with maintaining this control and they will fund anybody anywhere. And that includes the Israeli government that wants you to think that they're all about their belief in the religion and so on. They're Zionists. They are a political party who are using Judaism to achieve their ends like plenty of Orthodox Jews in Israel will tell you if you listen. The ones that get beat up by the IDF. But my point here is to show you that in 2018, their own rights groups in Israel were saying, stop arming Nazis in Ukraine. Like, how do you see this on Haaretz? Oh, that's weird. Wait, this one did load. Oh, no, that was the I'm sorry. I'm confusing the other one. With the, the other one we loaded earlier. But the point is, it's talking about the Azov militia. So Israeli human rights groups are asking, why are you arming neo-Nazis about the Azov militia, the movement? And then today, it's fake news doesn't even exist because you don't understand. That's how it works today. It's like we live in 1984, right? And on top of all of that, here's what Seymour Hirsch followed up with in regard to Ukraine, which is really important to understand. Now, as, as always, which, which at least I shouldn't say as always, but with his recent work about Nord Stream and so on, it is stemming from his sources, which just like with anything else, whether we're talking Twitter files or anything, 
I still make the same point. If you don't have the material, you have to have a caveat there. A question mark that says, well, maybe that's not true. Maybe he got misinformed. Maybe he's lying. Always possible. I don't believe that. I think Seymour Hersh has shown himself to be pretty sound in this work. But either way, we need to uh, make sure that we question these things if we don't have the source material, right? But the point, nonetheless, is very important to report on, I think. And this is what he says. The Ukrainian government, headed by Zelensky, has been using American taxpayer funds to pay dearly for the vital needed diesel fuel that is keeping the Ukrainian army on the move in its war with Russia. It is unknown how much the Zelensky government is paying per gallon for the fuel. But the Pentagon was paying as much as 400 per gallon to transport gasoline from a port in Pakistan via truck or parachute into Afghanistan during the decades-long American war there. You know, using your tax dollars at exorbitant fees for, for the diesel, you know, to maintain their war that they didn't do anything and just left all the material and the equipment. And, you know, because Joe Biden said that was going to happen a long time ago. You've probably seen that clip. If we leave it all there, we can be out immediately, but it'll be used against your family. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> probably the point. Justifying the future wars. But either way, the point is that this is just, they're using your tax dollars to spend it all of the, to, to maintain that war that ended up with what? What, what did the American people gain from the quagmire that was Afghanistan? Either way, it says, what also was unknown is that Zelensky has been buying fuel from Russia. Yeah, you read that right. From Russia. So how does that make sense? Doesn't this begin to pose the bigger question of whether this is in fact a larger operation all said and done? Which doesn't mean that there aren't still people being murdered in Donbass. But we should be asking the question whether there is a larger thing at play here. Zelensky has been buying fuel from Russia, the country with which it and Washington are currently at war. And the Ukrainian president and many in his entourage have been skimming untold millions from your tax dollars, earmarked for those same diesel fuel payments. One estimate by analysts from the CIA itself have put the embezzlement funds at $400 million, according to his sources. Another expert compared the level of corruption in Kiev as approaching that of the Afghan war. Exactly, because it's the same game. Just like the Mujahideen was, cre- was used to, to pull in the Soviet Union, which arguably, people argue, was one of the main reasons it fell. That was the engineered point, which later became Al-Qaeda, which later became ISIS, which you can easily prove. And that not only just by accident, but rather because they drove it, drove it and designed that. But again, Ukraine is the same agenda basically on the surface, at least in one part of it anyway, to to pull Russia in and keep them involved in this war. That's why it's pretty much the same thing. It says, quote, although there will be no professional audit reports emerging from the Ukraine. We know why. Zelensky's quote, it says, quote, Zelensky's been buying discount diesel from the Russians, one of his knowledgeable sources in American intelligence told him, which we should question, quote, and who's paying for the gas and oil? We are. Putin and his oligarchs are making millions. So if you believe Russia bad guy and you're supporting Ukraine, well, then you're essentially also supporting Russia and they're making money off of your tax dollars. How does that make sense? It says many government ministries in Kiev have been literally competing, he was told, to set up front companies for export contracts for weapons and ammunition with private arms dealers around the world, all of which provide kickbacks. This is what we keep telling you. They have been, like, we have people on the record telling you that at best 30% that comes in actually goes to the war effort. You have people in the Ukrainian government driving high-end Bentley, Bentleys and Mercedes around because they're using your money. 
And by, by the way, we've made that argument before, but this has now been backed up by his sources. They are literally, as you just said, creating like shell companies here, like private arms dealers around the world and, and shuttling all this stuff off. Many of these companies are in Poland and Chechnya. Now, Poland is an important part of this. Poland is clearly part of the problem of all of this. This is one of the, as far as I can tell, based on lots of documentation and reports from independents and past, past documents from think, think tanks, that Poland and Ukraine is a, is a hot spot for human trafficking and has only gotten worse during the Ukrainian, during all of this. But others, it says, are thought to exist in the Persian Gulf and Israel. I don't doubt it for a second. It says, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that there are other places, uh, there are others in places like the Cayman Islands and Panama, and there are lots of Americans involved, according to one American expert on international trade. He says, the issue of corruption was, was directly raised with Zelensky in a meeting last January in Kiev with none other than the CIA director, William Burns, probably his handler. It says, his message to the Ukrainian president, I was told by an intelligence official with direct knowledge of the meeting, was out of a 1950s mob movie, which makes sense. The senior generals and government officials in Kiev were angry at what they saw as Zelensky's greed. So, CIA Director Burns told the Ukrainian president, well, quote, because he was taking a larger share of the skim money than was going to the generals. Right, so make sure you pay them more of the American tax dollars for their own personal uses so they won't be mad at you for taking more than them. Hashtag freedom, right? Burns also presented Zelensky with a list of 35 generals and senior officials whose corruption was known to the CIA and others in the American government. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the question is, <clears throat> are they actually corrupt? So the U.S. government says these people are bad. Is that because they're corrupt or is that because they're people that don't toe the line? You could think for yourself. It says Zelensky responded to the American pressure 10 days later by publicly dismissing those 10 people, or rather the most, most, most ostentatious, the most obvious ones, and, let, and did nothing else. Quote, the 10 he got rid of were brazenly bragging about the money they had, driving around Kiev in their new Mercedes. Now, you could argue it's because they were just being blatant about it, but I think that's pretty much all of them. I, it's been very clear that they were willing to just blatantly say what the U.S. government says they're not doing. So it could be that, or it could be something else. Either way, what's on the surface, according to his sources, is that they're stealing from you right now. And not only that, the government of the United States is not only aware of it, but facilitating that. That is what's really happening. Now, another thing we need to get into, and there's an interesting overlap, just to finish the show today, with the transgender conversation in Ukraine. Because don't forget, there's an entire overlap with what's been pushed as some kind of bastion of freedom for transgender people in Ukraine, despite the obvious reality. And even the Vice article that tried to lie about it and say they were scared of Russia, when you actually read the article, it's very clear what they're most terrified of is the Banderites and the Ukrainian military in Ukraine, who before the war were beating them up, were forcing them to do things they didn't want to, including sexual activity, as well as murder. I mean, it's on the record. And on top of that, you can find U.S. documentation before we were supposed to recognize or before when we were supposed to point at the bad guy stuff and not after you Russia invaded, they pretend it wasn't happening anymore. You can find their own documents saying the same. So I do think there's an obvious agenda to all this to rationalize this. And I, I think one part of it is to put in people's minds the idea, rather to create the pushback in the right way, just like we talked about with the Second Amendment thing, just like we talked about in the other conversation. To put this absurdity in front of us, 
in the, in the sense of pretending that it's a bastion of freedom over in Ukraine, where people like us are going to push back on it and argue and, and see in it an agenda that overlaps all of the trans community. Now, regardless of your opinions, and I've talked about this a lot, I have my own personal opinions, but both, both, you know, I have my religious opinions. I have my personal opinions. I've got my all sorts of opinions and I've made them clear before. The bottom line is I've always taken the stance, regardless of my personal opinions, that people have the right to do what they want with their own body. And, and these people, so you could argue that people, that every single one of these people in these positions have a mental problem. And maybe you're right. But it's obvious to point out that there are plenty of other problems in this country that we seem to just ignore high level, serious mental problems and otherwise and psychological disorders where people take medication and they just go about their life. I'm not saying that that's good, bad or up or down. That just is what's happening. So why it's, 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 it's this hyper focus on that? Well, because of the overlap with the sexual side of it and the over sexualization of children and the drag stream, drag, drag queen story time. But the point is, why then all of those individual instances, which are completely inappropriate, are being overlapped with every single person in that community? Because there is an inherent side of this on some people's minds where these people are bad regardless. They shouldn't exist because it it's, it's goes against God or because I don't think it's right or just because I don't like them. That does exist just like it exists on any side. But there, that is driving this argument that they're all bad, they're all deviants, and they're all this. And you know, I, I don't know every single one of them, so who knows? But I do believe that it's inappropriate for people to broad brush every single person in a conversation. As I said before, it's the same as stupidly saying every single person in a red hat is a terrorist. Yeah, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, we know that's stupid. You could say every single person who is a, is a Republican, is a, is a white supremacist terrorist. Yeah, that's stupid, isn't it? Well, there are people on the left that actually believe that. So in the, com- in the conversation, I'm hoping people that can put aside their personal opinions and realize that not every single person who is a trans person or a gay person is out there to be a deviant or do something wrong or to push the woke agenda. Because as I've said before, I know plenty of people in this community alone that are trans people that support every single thing we're doing here. I mean, you, could, you could say that's the, that is a, that's the exception to the rule if you believe that. But it still means that there are people in the community that are not like this is being framed. So we have to remain objective. Now, again, I'll be clear, as I said before, I, my opinions in a large way contradict that because I have my personal opinions. But it shouldn't really matter what I think they should be doing with their body. Right now, this I want to start with on this conversation is an interesting overlap to where I see the whole woke politic mindset manipulating people everywhere. And what this ultimately comes down to is the argument that somehow, because of your personal choices, which is what they are, that everybody else has to accommodate you. And so even going to the extent that you have to change entire business structures, change the way things are built, because I'm different and you have to accommodate that. Well, should we? Well, there's some examples of that, right? Well, people are handicapped, right? Okay, well, we have, there was a time when that didn't matter and you had to just tough it out. Well, we all kind of collectively decided as a society, or at least that's what we're told, that, well, we should have ramps and so on. Now, I even actually dispute that that should be forced. That's just my opinion. I do think it makes sense that, we, you know, there are people that just don't have, they don't have, they're not able to live their lives the same way. And it seems unfair, but life's not fair. My point is always about if you have a company, it's your prerogative. It's your prerogative as a company to do or not do that. Because you know, if you don't, well, you're going to box yourself out of anybody that isn't able to go up the stairs, for example. But that can be your choice. It's, a, it's weighing the cost. And you can call them a bad person for not doing it. The fact that we ever forced businesses to make those choices 
because the government decided it was a slippery slope. That's why we're going down this path. And again, that contra- my personal opinion would be, I do think it's with something that makes sense, whether you're trying to pull in more business or just because it seems like the right thing, but it should be the choice of the business owner. So in this case, we're seeing this on the extreme now. We know it's everywhere. Here's an example of somebody who is just flying in a plane, who is wildly overweight, obese, you know, dangerously overweight, unhealthy, and are demanding that airliners change everything about what they're doing, redesign the airplanes, make bigger bathrooms, change everything to accommodate them. Now, there's a whole conversation to be had about, you know, a very small percentage of people that may actually have some kind of problem or deficiency or something that they're unable to stop being overweight. I, 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 per, I, have, I actually feel like I dispute that just because I feel like, I mean, it sounds like hyperthyroidism or so on. I'm willing to bet there are ways that you could counteract that. But either way, just let's just create that caveat and say that does exist for a small percentage of people because that's the best way to frame this point in the overlap with the small percentage of people that are in the trans community that are overtaking 50, 60% of our policy. Either way, the point is that you have some people like that. The by and large, most of these people are overweight because they eat are unhealthy. They choose to eat that way and choose not to exercise. And now the world is turning around and telling them, don't worry, that's normal, that you're okay. In fact, it's not even unhealthy, despite science, despite the obvious reality that it's wildly unhealthy, just like the injections, just like everything else. Don't worry, it's safe and effective. This is plus-size traveler demands, demands free seats, better accommodations on airlines. So you make a choice in your life to live this way. And even again, even if it's not your choice, the point is that you are the are the anomaly in all of this. You are choosing. You could travel differently. You could travel different ways. But you're stepping in here and saying, I mean, look, even if you didn't, the point is you could find a way to to circumvent this because of your obesity. But instead, you make this big statement and demand that they accommodate you at the expense of everybody else. Now, look, you may even agree with that. You may think it makes sense to alter everybody else's dynamic for one person's difference. I just think that doesn't make sense from a business perspective or any perspective, really. But see, the point of this conversation is you have a right to say, I'm a bad person for thinking that. If that's what you think, that's called free speech. A plus-size travel social media influencer, of course, demanded that airlines better accommodate larger passengers when traveling. She, Chani, kicked off the petition claiming she and her fiancé were subject to discrimination. Is it discrimination? Did the airlines build their planes like this so to, she couldn't fly on them? Or was it based on profit? Was it based on design, based on the, the, the you know, maximizing pro- customers and so on? You know the answer to that. I, I highly doubt you have a plane engineer going, oh, screw the fat people. That's what would make it discrimination. She claims over other passengers refuse to sit next to them with their pair receiving hateful comments and disapproving looks. Well, probably because you went in there with the mindset that you were being discriminated against. And on top of that, just to be real, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I think it's quite obvious why people don't want to sit next to her. It's not meant to be rude. It's because it's just, it's uncomfortable because you're taking up a quarter of the other seat. And because of numerous other reasons you could obviously point out. And the bottom line is that that's something that makes people uncomfortable. And isn't that their prerogative? Isn't that their choice as an individual to make whether a, why is it offensive to her to know that somebody else doesn't want to sit next to them? It just kind of, it just, the whole point, as always, the whole point of all of this is the woke mindset that is justifying that she is victimized in her mind. Therefore, all of you need to change what you're doing. 
as opposed to the fact that her choices are why she is present there in the first place. It says a plus size travelers, as plus size travelers, my partner and I have unfortunately experienced discrimination and discomfort while flying, the content creator wrote in her petition. The influencer wrote it was not the first time she felt discriminated against while flying. Okay. Here's down here it says, on another flight, I was forced to occupy only one seat with immovable armrest. I feel like it was in the secondary part. Um, well, in case it's not, and I'm forgetting. The point I was going to make here is it's the, not, not the first time she felt discriminated against while flying. Well, so basically what she's admitting there is that this is something that happens every time. Well, you go into a plane where you know you're not going to fit properly, and you then blame the plane for being the plane. Right? I mean, I mean, again, I'm not trying to be offensive. That's what's happening here. And so then it becomes everybody else's responsibility to accommodate your difference. You can agree with that. See, I'm not even say, framing it in a way that makes it a bad thing. I think that's ridiculous. The point is simply that's just what it is. Goes on to say, on another flight, I was forced to occupy only one seat. What do you mean forced to occupy one seat? My point, so she's aware of the seat sizes. So you're not forced to do anything. You could argue after you leave the plane going forward, hey, I'm, I'm going to petition them to change this because I don't feel like I'm accommodated. But to then buy a ticket on a plane, knowing that it won't fit you and going in and sitting down and going, I, this doesn't work. You, you're, this is a, a equivalent of people that used to go around and look for places that didn't have ramps, let's say, right? And then make a point to try to sue them. Not because they wanted to go to the restaurant, but because they had a mission to do so. And you can argue that they were right to do it. I disagree. This seems like an agenda. Forced to occupy only one seat with immovable armrests that caused me pain and bruises. Okay, well, there's people that fly on these every single day that don't, just because of your choice. She wrote, citing that when she and her fiance purchased extra seats on their own, they're still mistreated by other passengers and airline staff. Well, I don't know why you can blame the airline for other passengers who are being mean to you, but same thing. Somebody's got to take responsibility for my pain. Shani said her experiences flying caused her pain and vulnerability and that the airline companies have responsibility to consider people of larger size when booking flight. No, they don't. Not at all. This is the, the idea of the newer generations, this entitled mindset that you are guaranteed something. Guess what, guys? You're not. That's not the way the world works. That's the way they want you to think the world works, so you are meek and pliable and easily manipulated. But at the end of the day, the world is hard and difficult, and the best, the, the, you know, the concept of the nice guys finish last, that's how the world works. Not always, but the reality is that if you work hard your whole life, it almost always doesn't work out that you get everything you want. That's the world. But you're told otherwise growing up because they need you to be an obedient worker bee. The bottom line is you need to strike a different path and realize that expecting everyone to do what you want, thinking that you demand and expect and are entitled to everything because you were born here is the problem. They have a responsibility, she says, to consider them. Well, no, you, they can choose to make their business and you can choose not to use it. That's the reality. Now, you may think it's mean if this person is boxed out because all the businesses choose not to do it. But again, it comes down to something that is not you weren't, it's not, you weren't born this way. You became overweight. That's the reality. Now, look, I, I'm saying this to somebody who was, as a young kid, very overweight. In fact, as I remember it, I think I weighed more as a kid than I do right now. It was, it was hard on me. It really was. I actually, have, I've, I've, to this day, I'm very insecure about certain things just because of that way I was raised and because of the mean things people said to me. I've lived through that. I understand it. 
And even then, I'm still able to look at it and say, I under, I, this is inappropriate. It says the FFA must require all airlines to implement a clear customer of size policy that prioritizes the comfort and well-being of all passengers. Well, that's not true. It prioritizes the comfort of you over at the expense of everybody else. That's the reality. So it just it's, it's, it feels nice to frame it that way. This isn't about equality. This is about you demanding everything change to accommodate you. Quote, all plus-size passengers should be provided an extra free seat. Okay, so why is that fair? Well, what if I want an extra seat because I want to kick my legs up? Is that, is that fair? I want to just demand that that's the case. Or even two or three seats, depending on their size. So now you're demanding that the airline just pay for two extra seats for you because of your personal choices? It says for the plus uh, four plus size passengers who purchase extra seats on their own, Channing wants the airlines to fully reimburse them anyway, saying the process should just be straightforward. She says also called on the airlines to quote provide additional airline assistance to plus size travelers if necessary. Right. So think about this. So now, now not only do they uh, they cater to them for everybody, give them extra free seats, give whatever they want, basically allow them. I mean, this is ridiculous. It really is, guys, and it's like we're, we're been, we've kind of been trained to not do this because we're supposed to think this is inappropriate. This, what's inappropriate is what she's doing, including wheelchair assistance and priority boarding. <laughs> oh my God, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. Along with proper employee training to handle sensitive situations and providing appropriate customer service. What do you mean by sensitive situations? It's things like that, why people don't want to sit next to you. On the plane, I mean, in general. But the airline and FFA aren't the only arm of the air travel that Cheney has called out in petition. Of course not. With the TSA getting a piece of her mind when how they could better handle plus-size passengers. Okay, the reality is, it's everything. The world is not built for somebody that is three peop- three, the size of three people. Because they built things around the concept of how... That, that door size is anything. We know this. So the point is, even the TSA, which is not some boxed in area, is apparently not dealing with their size right because everything built is built on the concept of the way the average human being. Why isn't that the exact point of equitable and all this? It's the average. It's not for skinny people only. It's the average. Right? I mean, this is over the top. So belaboring the point, I think the reality is that this is driving everywhere. Everybody in this generation is, come, is feeling entitled and pushing this kind of woke mindset that they need to be catered to because, well, they, they deserve it. Everybody got a ribbon. I get one, too. I deserve what I want. It's not how the world works. And you got a harsh reality coming your way. But I think, let me make sure I have a couple points here that I wanted to share. Oh, I will notes thing I wrote down. Oh, that's right. Okay, this is actually important. So this is interesting. So... Just as a comparable point, right? So my argument is that this is something, at the very least, that is, is in somewhat a choice. I believe, ultimately, if somebody wanted to eat healthy, exercise, and, you know, I mean, she, there's nothing in there that says there's some kind of disorder, right? So the point is a choice. Weight, in general, is. But it's the same equivalent of somebody who identifies as something unique, as a choice, Right. So, oh, for here, the good example is we saw something like this not too long ago where the woman identified as a snake. That's a real thing. She identified as a snake. She had piercings and she had her nose removed and it's, it's creepy as hell. You might have seen it. But OK, so she believes she's a snake. Right. So 
she demands that the temperature be hot because that's the only way she feels comfortable. And if you don't accommodate her at the expense of everybody else on the plane, you're being racist. Is that not the same thing? As much as it's a ridiculous example? Or how about, how about the fact that I've got gigantic piercings on my head that stick out four feet on every side? Now, that's my prerogative, right? I, I, that's mine. Or how about I need them to make, to make myself feel good about myself? I need them to be able to do X, Y, and Z. You believe it's necessary. Well, I need four seats because my piercings are so big. It's the same stupid thing. I couldn't think of anything that's more less ridiculous, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Or, and, or I have one other, actually. This is an interesting thing. So there's people that like drive cars with no arms, right? They've got little buttons they use with their mouth and so on. So how about somebody with no arms demands that we all only use mouth tools because it's inappropriate that we do, that we're able to do things they can't, or at the very least have to install mouth tools on everything everywhere so they can, that's how stupid this is. And that, and that is even an example of somebody who doesn't have a choice, right? But ultimately what the point is, is it puts 99.99% of people out to accommodate this very small minority of people. And it's not just change, understand, it's putting them out. You are, you are affecting everybody else's experience to make sure you got what you want. And that applies not just to weight, it applies to everything we're talking about. And of course, you know where this is going, right? This comes back to the main point about how this is happening. CVS. Gender transition guide says employees must use preferred pronouns. You have to. They can use bathroom. Uh, can use bathrooms reflecting identity. Uh, their 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 chosen identity, and employees may be entitled to medical leave for gender transition treatment. You see, that's how they are motivating this. Hey, shoot! I get time off work if I take this direction. Like it, it, the fact that it's so obviously politically motivated means to at least some degree, as we all know, some people are falling into this, whether they truly are, you know, have gender dysphoria. Some children at an early age are being manipulated into thinking they can just choose. And then they wake up when they're 40, like we just showed you the video of the day, and they're desperately unhappy. And they've literally had their life stolen from them because of some political agenda. Now, you can argue that some people are better because of this. I frankly disagree. But that's my opinion. And I reserve, you can do what you want with your own body. But there are people who have regretted it. And simply because of that, it should not be some bandied about concept. It's like, here, four-year-old, consider this. Take some hormone blockers to get you started. Because that's what's happening. So here's the next part that gets kind of out of control. So here's where the point of this is they are justifying, forcing you to say what they want you to call them, which, by the way, can change day to day. And then decide you meant to do it on purpose, then you're going to jail if you're in the UK, because that makes sense, right? They can also use the bathrooms that they believe they can, despite all the evidence that there is people that abuse that. And there are men, as the video we just saw, of a man literally in dress as a woman in the video, filming himself jerking off while watching women in the bathroom. And the 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 the, the counsel he reported it to didn't care. You're you're being offensive by saying like, that's the where these people's minds are at. It's mind blowing. So this is forcing their personal choices on you only because they frame it as not a personal choice, despite that being the only possible thing. It doesn't matter whether you have gender dysphoria or not. It is still a choice to go through this process. That's obvious. So you're choosing things and then forcing other people to accommodate you. Same point. And again, understand, like I said before, there are people in this chat that are trans that would agree with this because they think it's also politicized. The point is we can allow them to make their choices as they see fit. It's their choices and their personal life. 
I don't make choices in my sexual life and then come tell you you have to do something for me because that's ridiculous, right? The Florida Standard writes, UF health erasing differences between male and female in lab test results for inclusivity. Patients will die as a result, said the whistleblower. April 13, 2023. It says, when you go to the doctor and get your blood drawn and we look at the results to see if they're normal or if something is wrong, some reference ranges are the same for everyone. But many are separate ranges for men and women. This is based on biology. This is the whistleblower. He says, but this is changing at University of Florida Health. It's in Florida, interestingly enough. According to the whistleblower, laboratory staff was recently informed by the chemistry supervisor that they are to work with only one range. A combined one that is supposed to apply to both male and female patients. Not because that's more biologically sound or more scientifically correct. No. Or even more accurate. Not at all. He said that it was in the name of being inclusive. You know, so we don't offend people, so we don't differentiate between genders, so we don't discriminate against trans patients and so on. That's actually the argument. So non-science to make sure we don't offend people. Now, whether you think that's dangerous or not, despite them telling you that there are dangers, that's absurd. You are worried about people's feelings who, in many cases, might not even actually be, you know, transgender dysphoria, just maybe worked into this political mindset. And either way, you are changing something based on sound science because we don't want to offend anybody. Laboratory workers were told that, quote, inclusive ranges are the wave of the future, which is also stated in their own meeting agenda right on their own documentation. Of course, they're not going to tell everybody this, right? Of course not. This is the whistleblower telling everybody, quote, in the electric medical records, it used to say, quote, sex to identify if the patient was male or female. Then this changes to, quote, birth sex. And the latest was to, quote, legal sex. And it's still under review right now for further changes. Because that's how stupid this is. So the fact that it changes every 10 seconds based on some new acronym, some new LGBTQ39 plus XYZ, and that we just saw the last lady do that. I'm like, this is getting out absurd. And don't forget, B stands for bi, which seems to undermine the whole thing. But either way, they're changing it based on the new winds of the conversation. So it's completely subjective, which we should know by now. But it says, the employee states the employee states that, quote, woke medicine is rapidly gaining traction in hospitals and academia. Quote, before long, biology won't be factored into the use of a variety of drugs, just like we just saw, and treatments as well. If this moves forward, mark my words, patients will die as a result. Jo- Dr. James Thorpe, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine subspecialist with almost 44 years of clinical experience, is shocked to hear about the University of Florida's new lab practices. Quote, political correctness is associated with significant morbidity and mortality. When you start changing medical definitions for inclusivity, it hurts the individual patients, which is exactly the crux of the point. Let's change the whole airplane to accommodate this very small minority. What do you do? Well, you hurt the general people. You have less seats and less accommodation because of them, because of what they want for you. They put you out to accommodate their, their fringe situation. Is that, is that how it should work? I mean, you could think of a thousand examples of why, let's say there's probably something that would apply to men only that they would never do that because men are bad. You know, there's certain things that are off limits, but of course, in the other side of it, well, everybody has to accommodate me because that's what I want. This is just obviously wrong. He says, this is utterly false narrative that is going to kill and injure people. 
We reached out to the University of Florida Health and asked for a comment on the whistleblower's allegations. Of course, they provided an evasive response where they failed to address the issue and provide a clear answer to whether their laboratories are in fact doing so. Then you can read the example here. It's, it's just nonsense. It says, when asked for clarification, the guy simply said, you have our response. They don't care. Obviously, there's something guiding this and they're just all, they're locked in, lockstep. Now here is a trans person, a it looks like a biological male, who is speaking about how people don't understand, right? About how if Republicans and their anti-trans rhetoric, which in some cases is true, in other cases are just actually defending children and they all get bunched together, which is how this works. They would, if they understood, this man says, they would allow the hormone blockers for children. Why? Well, because you're mutilating children by not giving them this stuff. Doesn't that make sense? Right? It's the same as saying, well, you know, climate change is going to kill us all in 30 seconds, so we have to do extremely crazy things right now for everybody. It's, it's the irrational mindset. By not giving them something that scientifically is disputed, obviously based on biology, on top of that, something that you can't prove is actually, like, so they believe this, and therefore you give them something as a child that they will change their, their hormonal makeup, and by not doing that, that choice, you are mutilating them. If that's what this person thinks, which they clearly do, are you surprised why some people like this are acting out in violence? And then they frame people like me as being the radicalizers? Listen to what this person says. It's me about the anti-trans conservative rhetoric around like puberty blockers for trans kids is that if they really did care about making sure children weren't being mutilated or weren't being like coerced, they would be the number one advocates for puberty blockers, not only because they're empirically supported and because that's not true. They were developed for cisgender people, which I don't, that doesn't even make sense. They were, they were not, so the idea that they're created, the point, the only reason you say that is because everybody's a cisgendered person before you alter your body. Or rather, I mean, maybe I misunderstand the way they use those terms, but if they're designed for cisgender people, which as I understand it is just a, somebody like me, right? That's only because that's a person who hasn't taken them yet. So that kind of doesn't, that's kind of a, a false argument, right? But because they would realize that forcing somebody to go through a puberty with a dominant hormone that is misaligned with your actual gender, that would be, by their terms, mutilation. How in the world would that be by their terms mutilation? So let, let's rehash what that person just said. Through a puberty with a... Forcing somebody, forcing somebody to go through a puberty. Okay, so who's forcing them? Explain that to me. This is a person who would have been going through this process if, you, if they were born in the middle of a, in a cave and they never saw anybody else in the world. That happens, right? So no one's forcing that. That happens of its own accord. That's biology. So what you're arguing is you're somebody, some magical force is forcing these children to be what they were already going to be because they've decided that they're different, right? Now ask, ask yourself this. If this person grew up in a place where none of this was ever talked about, even if they actually had what they call gender dysphoria, well, they have no idea about any of this. So they would live their life the best way they saw fit. And maybe you could argue that that's, they, they've discovered the truth and it's unjust to force them to not know. And I just, that's, it's all personal and subjective. The bottom line is that this is natural biology and this is where it was already going to go. Nobody's forcing anything. And you do have a very obvious political push to this. And you do have, as we've already proven, people that fall into that and don't realize that they're being politically driven.
right? So a person who's completely not, who has a, 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 doesn't have gender dysphoria, and they end up taking these puberty blockers because they're convinced by people like this that they can choose. Not, you see, the point is, they're not arguing that you can just pick. It's your choice. Except the whole crux of the point is that you're taking stuff like this because you actually have a problem, like gender dysphoria. So how is exactly can you just pick if you want to and also that it's a problem, right? The problem is you are convincing children they can pick because it's totally fluid. Then they take the – so if that's the case, why don't you just let them continue to be who they are and pick what they want to be outwardly? You're giving them chemicals that change them at a point when they barely understand what they are or what they want to be. And apparently by not doing that, based on their subjective opinion, you're mutilating them. Like, I just don't even see how anybody, including trans people, can think this argument makes sense unless you are completely, completely brainwashed by obvious political manipulation. Dominant hormone that is misaligned with your actual gender. Your actual gender being what you personally believe it is. Now, you could be right or you could just be believing that. You could be politically motivated. You could be mentally disabled or mentally uh, not disabled, but, you know, you could have a mental problem. You could be crazy. All of those things are possible, but yet we're supposed to just trust what they say. Like, what happens if somebody actually has schizophrenia, right? That's a thing. People, get, people have that, and you don't know. They're not diagnosed with it yet, and they believe that they're something. And we go, okay, but today we're only allowed to say, yes, you are. And suddenly there's, you have a person who's completely crazy who is now driving this kind of thing. I'm not saying it's everybody. I actually don't believe that. I think some people just make these choices. But at the end of the day, you know these things exist. Somebody like this does not care about that. That other means that they're too ignorant to understand that's a possibility and don't care or either don't know or they don't care. Or I, I personally think there's much more driving this than just personal choice. As I've said before, I strongly believe, whether this person knows it or not, that this is being driven to justify another direction in regard to transhumanism and all sorts of other things. That's just my opinion, though. That would be, by their terms, mutilation. Because imagine if we sat a bunch of 13-year-old cisgender boys around and we were like, hey, boys, um, we know that you're boys. And we know that you've been boys as long as you've been alive. And it's very clear to us that you are boys. But we just want to be so sure. So we're actually going to make you go through estrogen-based puberty instead. So that way, like, when you get to the end of that road and you're 18, you can decide if you still wanted to be that boy that you, you know, always showed signs that you were. How in the world does that make any sense at all? This person is broken, not because they're trans, but because they actually believe what, what he just said. It's unbelievable to me. So you're arguing that the, the equivalent of not giving them puberty blockers because they believe there's something is to force boys to become women just in case they may have been. Like that on the surface is the literal opposite. <laughs> but, but, you know, logic is whatever they want it to be today. Can you imagine if we did that? That would be fucked up. But that's. I agree. It is because that's what you're pushing on people right now. Literally what you are doing to trans kids. Nope, not even close. Because forcing somebody to go through a puberty with a dominant hormone that is misaligned with your actual gender. Of course, because you know you're... So basically this is your opinion versus DNA. Is a forced mutilation by conservative standards. No, it's not. That's just simply stupid. Well, I think you get the gist of it. These, this is the kind of people that the political agenda is focusing on. This is not representative, in my opinion, of every single trans person out there. Which, by the way, is exactly what you are actually hearing from some positions that I would have expected. Not to say that I think that they're necessarily, you know, just that I just usually I see people kind of avoid these kind of conversations. But for instance, I just saw Alex Jones talking with Tim Pool, and they were making this exact same argument that it's not about trans people being one way or all trans people being bad, but it's it's a, it's it's a 
It's a trap. It is the same trap I've been talking about in one other form. They're trying to create a situation to drive the division. Like I've said before, it's just as stupid as saying everybody in a red hat is a terrorist. You are now, you have right-leaning people claiming every single person who is even, they're even sweeping in the gay conversation to say everybody in that conversation is a deviant. That is what's happening now. Here is an example of something. This is interesting. There's two examples I have. I forgot I included this one too. Dr. Anastasia Maria Lopez points out, former Planned Parenthood director commits suicide after police raid his home in child porn case. This is real, right? So you have somebody, one, who works at Planned Parenthood, who is kills himself after police find out he's got child porn, which is something to think about, right? That is, there's a lot of this happening in the world in positions just like this, where people gravitate towards certain positions of power where they can get away with this abuse, like in priesthood or religious locations. Not, it doesn't mean everyone or child services, right? We know all of this. This is, or, you know, peacekeepers for the UN. That's one of these hot spots. But Maria follows up and says, he, him. Because apparently he's got he, him in his, in his uh, bio. He, him, his. Okay. So the, the insinuation here is that because he has he, him, or at least, you know, just the argument that it's the overlap there, that that's, you know, that that's some, the point is considering that the he, him part is why this is the case. Or at least that the woke politics, the, I, my personal opinion, I can't speak for what she thinks, is that the insinuation is that people who have these bio, the bios or pronouns or whatever are deviants. Right? So is, is it just trans anymore? Or is it just a gay person? Right? I mean, or however you want to look at this. Now, this is, I think I had one other point on that. Uh, no, I didn't. Where was I? I thought I had something else in there. Well, so my general point on this is simply that, you know, I mean, you could argue that that did, in fact, overlap, that maybe this person was a woke politics person, but and, and that's somewhat what drove his weird personality or, or his deviant activity, more specifically, right? Because, you know, two different things here, talking about the woke, you know, kind of broken mindset, and then also the fact that he's obviously a disgusting pedophile, right? I mean, this, these are two things, but you could argue that they're together and that one drives the other. That's a fair point to make. But... Does it mean that everybody that has he, him, or he, she, or them, they, or whatever else garbage they put in their pronouns, does that then translate to meaning that they're a deviant? Or should you ask, are they? I, I, I think that's inappropriate. I think that's like every other thing. It is broad brushing people, and that's exactly what they want from you. Just like saying red hat, terrorist, or anything else. It's that stupid. Because it is, you know, even if there is an overlap, which I also believe that there is, because people gravitate towards these things, it's not every single one of these people. And see, what, what bothers people is that they don't like that I may say that because they want to point this out. But it's actually objective in the reality, even if it's just 1%. As always, guys, you know I stand on the hard truth because I believe in the, the, it's the important time to do it when it's uncomfortable. Ollie London, by the way, who is this person that Doom pointed out as well, with my, I agree. I don't know where this guy came from. I'm not following him. Him or is it? It's weird because I can't tell. It looks like almost looks like a trans person. So maybe it's a trans person. I don't know. But either way, the point is that out of nowhere, this started popping up in my feed. Now, why is that? I'm not following this person. Nobody I'm following. At least like I see anybody that overlaps. There's nothing there. I don't see there's no, you know, this person retweeted it. It shows up in your feed. It just shows up in my feed every single day, multiple times a day. Why? I believe there is actually this manipulation being laid out. I think that Republicans on Twitter are being trapped. I think they're trying to drive the division. Now, look at what this person said. The trans movement has gone too far. We can no longer pander to these people. Again, it's all broad brush, broad strokes, all the same thing. 
We can no longer cave to their demands. So is it every trans person everywhere or is it the political motive, the, the politics, your government doing this? And yes, being driven and supported by the radical nature of the people that do believe this. The movement, the movement has become one synonymous with violence and terror. Now, I, I would agree with that when you, if you mean the movement is the government push and not every trans person anywhere that believes that they should have the right to do that to their own body. It says women assaulted every day. And I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Trans shooter killing children. That did happen. And it's weird how they choose to pretend it's different when it happens on a different side of the, the spectrum. You know, like a, if it's a Muslim, they seem to act quite different about the conversation. Children being abused and mutilated. Which, again, all these are happening, but it, it, the, the way it's framed is all of the movement I have an issue with. Drag queens performing sex acts, sex acts in front of children. I mean, this is, this, the point of this is obvious. If you see a drag queen in wildly promiscuous clothing gyrating on stage at 9 p.m. in front of five-year-olds, why does anybody think that's okay? Why is that about trans or even, or even gay or anything? That's not. It's about sexualization of children. Right. My point before is that you can have a, a story time with anybody, trans or man or woman or whatever else. And, and they're dressed normally. And reading to kill children. My point is, yes, I even some Republicans would hate that because they just don't like trans people. But I argue most people, both left and right, see the general picture that people are people. And that some people in any community are just people. They just want to live their lives and they don't want to bug you. And the point is, why would you have a problem with a person who is reading to your children with nothing other than just reading the book, dressed in normal clothes? It's the sexualization of children, which is why that Tennessee bill says that about adult cabaret. That is the issue. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is because I do believe that this account is going out of its way to broad brush everybody and try, and it's being pushed in front of everybody on Twitter right now. It says, enough is enough. These people have demonstrated time and again, they lack the inability to reason. See? They, you know, every trans person, lacks the ability to reason. Again, you must understand that despite my personal opinion about whether this should even be happening, I always say that people can do what they want with their own body, right? So I'm only saying that because I, the point is that I do feel strongly about certain things. I do have a religious perspective on this, but can you argue that every single one of them lacks the ability to reason? I mean, that's just straight up, that's crazy. That's like saying every gay person can't think. Every black person can't think. Every man can't think. Any one of those offends some people because it's stupid, because you're broad brushing people. We need to take a hard line approach going forward so that we can stop this violent terrorist movement. Now, I agree with that because the movement, despite the fact that he's saying, you know, framing all of them, is a problem. The movement is the government and the manipulation of the trans politics. That's what's actually happening. Now, the, the, the uh, comparative points I made here, I think, are important, right? Where I think I already made the first point, which is that pretending everyone that has the pronouns in their bios are deviants is the same as saying everybody with a red hat is a terrorist, right? I think it's important. We need. I don't know why some people, I, I know some people choose not to see it, but why some people cannot see that this is exactly what is being done to Republicans everywhere right now. Right to the to the trucker convoys, to anyone questioning the jab, it's the same game. Where on one side they go, they're all this, they're all anti-vaxxers, they're all Nazis in the trucker convoy, right? They're all X, Y, and Z. It's the same thing. And as a Republican, if you're even remotely objective, I don't know why you can't recognize that, regardless of your personal opinions of what they're doing. That's what it's called to be objective. 
and to be able to put aside your personal beliefs and look at it from an objective lens. I do believe most Republicans are objective enough to see that. And that's why I'm trying to show them that they're being framed. I mean, it's ludicrous, guys. This is about division at its core. Now, on the other side of the coin, though, it's important that we show the actual side of this, right? That what, what uh, here, what, what's his name? Ollie here is framing as all of them is not all of them, in my opinion, but it is a real problem. And let me show you that, right? And this is what I think is a radicalized movement being driven by a government agenda, not every single person that is in this movement. But here, this is what I, I, I just talked about this on uh, the 8th. As I said, if you can listen to this experience, which is not unique, and still claim this is about transphobia or hate, I argue you either hiding behind those allegations for political reasons, which is despicable, or simply enjoy seeing the other side suffer. And we're talking about Riley Gaines here and what happened to her. Regardless of your opinion about what she, what her, you know, of her opinions, she stood up and had a very measured, very rational speech. That, in fact, was actually not even very offensive in any sense, except for the fact that they believe that she, wink, wink, thinks this, which maybe she does. But either way, so because you have decided she is a racist or she is a bigot, even though she said nothing of the kind, you still go after her. You attack her. And then everybody comes out to praise those attackers. That is how dangerous this is right now. So first, let's listen to what she said. And this is actually hard to listen to because this is not unique. Riley Gaines. I'm a recent graduate from the University of Kentucky, where I was on the women's swim team. I proudly finished my career as a 12-time NCAA All-American, a five-time SEC champion. Um, I am one of the fastest 200 butterflyers uh, of all time. Um, but on March 17th of last year, my teammates and I were, and other female swimmers from universities around the country, were forced to compete against a biological male named Leah Thomas. Um, Thomas was allowed to compete in the women's division after competing as a member of the University of Pennsylvania's men's swim team for three years. We watched on the side of the pool as Thomas won a national title in the 500-yard freestyle, beating out the most impressive and accomplished female athletes in the country, including Olympians and American record holders. Whereas just the year before, Thomas at best was ranking in the 400s in the men's category. The next day, Thomas and I raced in the 200 freestyle which ended up in a tie. Um, we went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second. Having only one trophy, the NCAA told me that I would go home empty-handed and this trophy would go to Thomas. And when I questioned this, the NCAA told me that Thomas had to hold it for photo purposes. I was shocked. I felt betrayed and belittled, reduced to a photo op. But my feelings didn't matter. What mattered to the NCAA were the feelings of a biological male. I mean, just, just that one point alone, the idea that on the surface, you're choosing to allow them to hold the trophy, even though that wasn't what happened, you know, just because of optics. Is that not an analogy? You know, that's, it, it, it encapsulates all of this. That's not appropriate, no matter why, because the, the whole point is there's this drive to give special treatment. And that's the whole point. In this main conversation, the point in this main, this one part, we're talking about the conversation of men becoming women, whatever that means, in many cases, not even actually changing themselves entirely, and then competing against women with male biology. Men that are at the bottom of the food chain in their athletics, and then suddenly change over to women's side and win first. Over and over and over. It's ridiculous. 
1972, Congress enacted Title IX to end unjust sex discrimination in all aspects of education, including college athletics. But by allowing Thomas to displace female athletes in the pool and on the podium, the NCAA intentionally and explicitly discriminated on the basis of sex. Although the NCAA claimed it acted in the name of inclusion, its policies in fact, in fact excluded female athletes. But that is not all. In addition to being forced to give up our awards, our titles, not opportunities, the NCAA forced female swimmers to share a locker room with Thomas, a 6'4", 22-year-old male who was fully intact with male genitalia. Let me be clear. We were not forewarned. We were not asked for our consent, and we did not give our consent. If nothing else, I hope you can truly see how this is a violation of our privacy and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, awkward, um, embarrassed, and even traumatized by this experience. Now, ask yourself this, guys. So before this political push, that's a man. It is now, but then, you know, it's a man in a, in a woman's dressing room. And that would have been completely across the, like, not, not appropriate. But just because now we're saying, oh, oh, you can just pick. This person still has a penis. Still has all the same hormones, right? Or, you know, whatever, taking hormone blockers or whatever. But the bottom line is you still the point in, in regard to anatomy. You have a, gr- a grown man in a woman's locker room, completely naked. And why? Just because we argue that that is a choice now, that that's suddenly okay? Even though moments ago that would have been arrested, you would have arrested for that. Now, also, on the other point of it is ask yourself why is it's the same thing as saying, well, so this person still has a penis and that makes them a woman because they say so? Why? I mean, I'm surprised we haven't, well, I should take it back. I mean, it's probably what we're talking about in some cases. I'm surprised we haven't seen people <clears throat> who just don't do anything and just say, I'm a woman now. I'm going to become the best woman weightlifter, even though I'm six foot five and 400 pounds. Nothing changed, but I just say I'm a woman. How is that any different? How are you going to dispute that they don't think that? Because you just decide, well, doesn't that make it subjective? How do you know they don't identify? As a, what if they truly identify as a woman? Or, and, and at the end of the day, if you're telling us it's a choice, why do you get to decide that they don't really mean it? Isn't that offensive? Even if they don't have gender dysphoria or even care about this, what if they truly just want to become a woman? Isn't that the whole point? No, because it's not the choice. It's they pick and decide. You're wrong. They're right. Everyone else gets it. This is subjective and it's irrational. Not the entire anybody in this position who gets to do what they want with their own body in their, in, you know, at, their, at their own discretion, but the fact that it's being forced to the point to where you have a naked man standing in a woman's dressing room when they weren't even told about it and literally beating them at sports before failing at the level four, at, I think at 400th percentile, or not percentile, but 400th in placing. That's what we're talking about here. And now suddenly winning to the point to where, oh, I'll let her finish, pushing people out of their own Olympic runs or the, whatever they were going to be running in or competing. I know I don't speak for everyone. I, it's impossible to speak for everyone. But I can attest to the tears that were shed on that pool deck by these poor ninth and 17th place finishers who missed out on being named an All-American by one place. And I can attest All-American, not Olympic, just in case. Attest to the extreme discomfort in the locker room when you turn around and there's a male watching you undress while exposing himself. I can attest to the anger and frustration from these girls who had worked so hard and sacrificed so much to get to this point. Unfortunately, our experiences are not unique. The number of female athletes who have been 
denied opportunities, again, traumatized or hurt by policies that claim to be promoting inclusion is growing at an alarming rate around this country. It's simply unacceptable and the integrity of women's sports is lost. Thank you. Thanks so much. Which, by the way, is why I believe it was the World Athletics Committee. I forget the full name, but it's a World Athletics organization that spoke up and said that they won't allow this anymore. It's a world organization. But yeah, let's pretend like, like this is ever, you know, it's obviously a political game that's being played, being driven predominantly by the United States government and certain groups along with them. But, you know, one thing I thought I just had, by the way, while I was playing that is I can guarantee you there will be people who have an agenda to frame me a certain way that will only point, discuss one part of this conversation today, right? And take that first part I said and make it seem like I'm defending certain things. And instead of leave, including this part of it where I show you both sides of the coin, because there are a lot of dishonest people out there that want to make this about what they want it to be. that don't like people, so they make it a certain, but they, this is everywhere right now. And I believe all of that is part of the same agenda. Not only to make us confused and doubt things, but to undermine people that are actually out there fighting for you, which is what I'm doing. Now, you don't know that for sure. You shouldn't because you should question everything. But I know that. I know that I believe in this and I know that I have the right reason to do this, that I care about people and I care about people that don't have a voice, all of them. And I will fight for the right thing, both from my religious standpoint, as well as my integrity, always at the expense of everything. But the point is that people will always try to frame this dishonestly. And I think there's a huge agenda here. But again, if you can listen to this experience, which is not unique, and still claim that what she's doing is about transphobia or hate, which is what they were screaming at her in, in just vitriolic. Like, I, oh, I, actually, I don't think I included the, the video. I'm not going to try and find it now because it's somewhere. I'm not sure. But it's on video of these people screaming, you bitch and you terrible C-N-U-N-T screaming at her. I'm going to kill you and scream over the top of police. It, it's easy. Look it up. It's easy to find. There's horror videos where she had to be ushered away into a side room where these people were literally threatening to kill her. And it says, if you do, if you're pretending this is about transphobia or hate, I argue you are either hiding behind those allegations for political reasons or simply enjoy seeing the other side suffer. Right. Which is the point they make about the, about a lot of discussions around racism. Now, some people genuinely want things to be equal. Some people just want to flip the coin. They want to see other people suffer as they felt they did. And that's not about equality. And that's just straight up dishonest, regardless of whether you think it's justified. Now, I said on top of that, though, additionally, though, if you try to use this horrifyingly unjustified situation and the obvious political manipulation behind this trans movement to claim that all trans people are one thing or want the same irrational outcome, you are also being played. Manufacturing consent. Now, this, to finish this off in a very, very clear way, is the most concerning thing I've seen in a long time. And this is exactly why I think this whole agenda is being pushed whether we're talking about just actual, genuine sexual deviancy at the top of political power, which we've written about a lot on this platform. Pedophilia at the highest positions of power. We're talking about Dennis Hassert, right? This literally second in line to the president. Arrested as a serial child molester, right? You can see him sitting right beside, right behind George Bush Jr., Right? Or, or plenty of other examples we can go through through our own government or the UK government or any number of other things. Or even in high-level positions of power and other things like, like, like Larry Nassar, 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 the guy who molested a bunch of gymnasts and, and the FBI allowed it to go on for years. They knew about it. All this has been proven. 
My point is whether it's really about the deviancy part of it, which I don't doubt. I believe that there are people that allow these things to happen because they are in positions of power and they facilitate their own thing, like Jeffrey Epstein situations. Uh, let's just put it like this. I, I believe strongly that's a part of this. But we have to consider the other reasons this may be happening as well. I, I'm honestly, I don't even know what I, uh, the, tra- the transhumanist part of this is a big thing for me. But the reason I say that is just because there's a lot of moving parts to this. So th- to come to your own conclusions here. UN AIDS, which is the organization put up from the United Nations to fight uh, HIV and uh, what was the other thing? I forget now. Hold on. It was. Uh... Oh, why isn't that dropping down now? In any case, it, it's UN AIDS. Look it up. It fights. I think it was AIDS and uh, HIV and something else. And the whole focus was to fight these things specifically. But the point is, on March 8, 2023, they put out their eight, March 8th principles. Now, it says the International Committee of, Ju- of Jurists, along with UN AIDS and the, and the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, officially launched a new set of expert jurist legal principles to guide the application of international human rights law to criminal law. Now, the first point to make, as somebody would make, you know, if we're misrepresenting this, that this is not immediate and, and obligatory, right? This is guidance put out by international entities. Now, that doesn't force governments to follow this line, but realize, oh, it's right there. It's, um, I'll read that next. But the point is, it usually translates like that. Just like the idea of the child vaccine schedule. Everyone said, you guys are lying they don't all have to do it, but we know how this works. They say that, and then it does translate. Then the individual groups and health organizations do, in fact, add it to the childhood schedule because they that's how this works. Just because there's not an obligatory process, it still translates that way, right? So that's, how, that's why I think this is so alarming. It says the March 8th principles, as they are called, laid out a human rights-based approach to laws criminalizing conduct in relation to sex, drug use, HIV, sexual and reproductive health, homelessness, and poverty. Ian uh, Cederman, law and policy director at ICJ, said, quote, criminal law is among the harshest of tools at the disposal of the state to exert control over individuals. As such, it ought to be a measure of last resort. However, globally, there's been a growing trend towards over-criminalization. The only reason I read this to you before getting into the main point is because what I'm offended by here is that they're pretending to care about overcriminalization and pointing at things that aren't criminalized enough in, in some cases, at least the one that I'm going to get into today. Except, you know, they don't seem to care about, you know, cannabis or, you know, I, I could list off 15 examples of what the government is wildly overcriminalizing right now. And they actually do mention drug use in this, which I should, either way, the point is that overall, there's a lot of things that the government is actively overcriminalizing in a thousand different ways. But instead, the one that really concerns me is the consent with minors. And if we're in any stretch of the imagination where that is not under-criminalized right now, I mean, the fact that they're pretending like this is something that needs to be removed is staggering to me. Now, you can argue these people are taken by the woke politics. I don't buy it. I think there's something much darker driving this. Continued overuse of criminal law by governments, and in some cases, arbitrary and discriminatory criminal laws, so everything we're dealing with today, have led to a number of human rights violations. So it's like, you think all these things we would think of are not what they're talking about. They also perpetuate stigma, harmful gender stereotypes, and discrimination based on such grounds as gender and sexual orientation. In 2023, 20 countries, they say, criminalize or otherwise prosecute transgender people. So it's interesting that it comes out with an exact point this is an over this is a generalized statement. 
There's a lot of stuff they point out, but they come out and make a huge point just about transgender politics. That says a lot to me. 67 countries still criminalize same-sex sexual activity. 115 report criminalized drug use and 130. And, you know, they're basically showing all these countries that criminalize this and that. And they think it should be you know, reduced, basically. So let's cut to the chase. Here's the report. So you can see it for yourself. March 2023. Here's what this says. There's a lot more in here, by the way. So take your time to read this because it's very interesting stuff. Acknowledging that the absence of consent. Now, this first part overlaps with the injection and, and COVID-19 illusion, that the absence of consent may give rise to criminal liability for the conduct concerned. Emphasizing that with respect to the application of criminal law in connection with consent, international human rights law requires paying due regard to the legal capacity of people with disabilities to consent, including through supporting decision-making, adolescence, evolving capacity, to consent in certain contexts, in fact, even if not in law. Think about that. When they are below the prescribed minimum age of consent in domestic law. All that is is giving the open door, kicking open the door, that we can decide of our own accord that these young children understand the risks and can decide to take the injection. That's what this feels like it's about entirely in this one section. Adolescents evolving capacity consent. So can they smoke cigarettes? No. Can they drive? No. Can they join the military? No. But yeah, take the shot. Yeah. Change your body. Go ahead. Transgender surgery. Those are the two things here that seem very obvious. And so why does it only apply to those two? Because we're talking about political games here. They can't smoke cigarettes. They can't do damn near anything except these two things. Because we're changing the laws to evolve around their understanding that only applies to these two topics, right? That makes sense. Non-discrimination and equality with respect to sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, race, disability, and other protected fundamental characteristics. That's going to be relevant in a moment. Next part. This is going to blow your mind. I mean, I really, I saw somebody tweet this and I just, I was like, okay, it's probably taken out of context because it seems ridiculous. It seems too on the nose. Consensual sexual conduct. Consensual sexual conduct, irrespective of the type of sexual activity, the sex, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression of the people involved or their mutual marital status, may not be criminalized in any circumstances. So it's interesting. First of all, they lay this out in a real broad sense. Then it goes on to say consensual same sex as well as consensual different sex sexual relations or consensual sexual relations with or between trans, non-binary, or other gender diverse people or outside marriage, whether premarital or extramarital, may therefore in every The point is, just, all you have to say is all sexual activity in the context of consensual. That So there's so many openings there. This is not even the worst part. But the fact that you can just broadly lay this out and say that consensual sex by the way, I don't see age mentioned there at all. And again, that's right down here that gets even worse. Apparently, you're just going, can't be criminalized. I mean, that is wild as rife for abuse, which is probably the point. But it gets worse. With respect to the enforcement of criminal law, any prescribed minimum age of consent to sex must be applied in a non-discriminatory manner. Now, all that does is open the door for the idea that somehow because you're gay or trans that you're allowed to have a sexual relationship with somebody over 18. Why does that make sense? Because the only time this consent age matters is if we're talking about somebody who's over 18 with somebody who's not. And just to cut to the chase, 
that enforcement may not be linked to sex, gender, or participants' age of consent to marriage, but it gets right here specific. Moreover, sexual content, conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual, in fact, if not in law. Period. That's the end of the sentence. I can't believe that it actually says that. It is straight up saying that it, there, there is, a, there is a, a room in the conversation for supposedly, quote, consensual sex between a minor and an adult. I don't understand how that makes sense. Like, even within their narrative of, of allowing that, that is moving the goalpost 400 football fields away. It says, in this context, the enforcement of criminal law should reflect the rights and capacity of persons under 18 of age to make decisions about engaging in consensual sexual conduct with their right to be heard in matters concerning them. Pursuant to their evolving capacities and progressive autonomy, persons under 18 of age should participate in decisions affecting them with due regard to their age, maturity, and best interest, and with respect to attention to non-discrimination guarantees. So this didn't exist before the conversation of trans politics. So suddenly, or I mean, there was this budding conversation. Actually, I remember somebody, I think uh, Yiannopoulos talked about this a long time ago. The bottom line is, Nowhere ever has it been acceptable for an, for somebody over 18 to have sex with somebody who is a minor. Now, maybe like here, the, now, there is a law going around California, for example, that I believe is very dangerous, that I believe is the op- opening the door to this very problem. But on the surface of it at the moment, it is using the almost, okay, when I was in high school, I, I, I dated a girl who was, I think, a sophomore or freshman at the time, right? And the point is, as we grew, you got to an age where I was graduated in 18 and she was still ble- but like 17 or 16. And the point is, technically, that's illegal. But we all know that in high school, in different circumstances, that's just kind of an acceptable range right there. My point, though, is that that little caveat is being abused with these kind of le- this kind of legislation. And, and instead of making it very specific, and, but even the one in, in California has like some kind of 10-year gap, it, just, it seems rife for abuse. This point here, it doesn't even mention the, the age other than 18, like over 18. So what this is basically saying is that if a 10-year-old apparently is decide that that's consensual, then apparently that's now okay, according to the United Nations. That's disgusting. This is the normalization and legalization of pedophilia. It's what this is. There's no way around that. I don't care if you're talking about gay people, trans people, or straight people. This is inappropriate and disgusting to me. You are legalizing the allowance of this. And whether you think that there is some kind of room in the conversation that I'm not evolved enough to understand, I disagree, but who knows? The point is that that's not the point. The point is this will be abused. We all must see that. But this, to me, just personal opinion, this is disgusting. And I just, I don't understand why this, I mean, I do, I know this isn't being called out for very obvious political reasons. Oh God, I just, I just, it's like, I just can't even believe, I can't even believe it says that, but it gets worse to some degree. There's different versions of it. This is under sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. So it's the same game, except now you're opening the door for people to do whatever they want in the trans direction at any age. No one may be held criminally liable for conduct or status based on their gender identity or gender expression. 
So, so okay, so it doesn't matter. They can be two years old, and if somehow you've convinced this child to feel that way, that you're not allowed to make that bad. Criminal. This includes gender identities and forms of gender expression that are perceived not to conform to societal expectations or norms relating to gender roles, the sex assigned to a person at birth, and so on. But we're not talking about just an outward discussion. These people are pushing hormone changes and surgery at really young ages, like the person I just showed you, which I don't think represents everybody in the trans community. But realize that they're now saying it's not illegal. You're not allowed to make it illegal if we argue that person understands it. How do you argue that? How do you know that? They can't smoke a cigarette and they can't drive, but somehow you're able to understand this life-changing choice. No one may be held criminally liable, it says, for consensual practices Aiming to assist others, that's the biggest problem for me. You are now normalizing the idea that some kind of person, whether a deviant or not, and I do believe that part of this is because of people that are deviant in nature, are driving others to be this way. Others to be, I mean, look, combining these two discussions too, you're over here saying, well, you know, can, you know if, the, if the minor is in agreement, then, it's, then they're saying it's okay. Then you jump over here and they go, well, now on top of that, you're now going to push this person to becoming a trans person themselves. And that's all apparently okay because we're not allowed to challenge this. And it says, the free development and or affirmation of sexual orientation or gender identity unless there was forced coercion, fraud, or medical negligence. Okay, well, so, so, so it's okay to brainwash somebody. So it's okay to politically manipulate somebody into believing something and then do what you want. According to the UN, which doesn't surprise me at all, unless there was, and it goes, or a lack of free and informed decision-making on the part of the person concerned. Okay. So a five-year-old can make a free and informed choice. Practices aiming to change or suppress a personal sexual, a person's sexual orientation, gender or identity or gender expression carried out without the concerned person's free and informed consent decision-making, including through force, coercion, or abuse or authority of authority may, may be addressed through other provisions of the criminal law. Oh, well, gee, that's pretty solid. So you even go as far as try to address when you do it, even though there's no consent, and you go, yeah, well, there's something. Something deals with that somewhere. There's other provisions. Okay, well, outline it then. Like, I mean, you're kidding me? Like, you go out of your way to outline the most minute parts of this, but when it comes to actual, oh, well, there's provisions. Well, yeah, there's laws for everything. There's laws that you are right now circumventing by arguing this has changed. God, I mean, I, I got to be, this is very concerning to me. Now, this one is interesting. It says, uh, this is the same, now the bottom, there's a different conversation to be had in regard to the sex work conversation, right? Again, irrespective of your personal opinions, there is a conversation to be had about how some people choose to be sex workers. And there's plenty of parts and places in the world where they've legalized it. And you can watch, there's discussions and documentaries and where it's, it's very safe and they make, they make good money and they got health care and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it, it comes down to adults having consensual sex and choosing to pay for it. Now, you can decide from a religious standpoint or whatever else that you disagree, and that's your prerogative. But again, people have the right to make their own choices. But the moment this becomes a big a problem for me personally, regardless of whether I agree with that, the, the act in general, is, that, is where you rope in the underage concept. Now, what's alarming to me is not just this by itself, but this when you include all the rest of this. Right. So now you've created the opening where you're saying, well, hey, it's OK, as long as these children consent, whatever that means, despite the fact that they can't consent anywhere else, that apparently now the U.N. says it's not a crime, which, again, go look up the peacekeepers and the 
child molestation and the rape that goes on, and you probably won't be surprised this is happening. But either way, you include that with this and the sexual orientation and identity part of this and allowing children to make these choices or be coerced into it or rather be convinced into it. As long as you use a different word, it's okay. Then you think about this, right? So it doesn't. I don't see anywhere in here where it includes age. Nowhere in this does it talk about age. It's kind of just implicit. You're supposed to, oh, well, that we know. No, don't assume that. The entire point in this document seems to be arguing that people can consent to these kind of things if they're at any age, as long as they pretend they understand. Overlap that with the idea that they're now arguing that, well, yeah, you can do all of this as long as they're not, as they're consenting. So my belief in all of this, guys, to just make a fine point on it and wrap this up, they just criminal or they just legalized in the sense of the international regular, uh, um, what they, the argument they put forward, the recommendations is that children can have sex with grownups if they if they claim to consent, which is pedophilia and disgusting, and that, that they can then coerce or convince them to change their gender identity if they just pretend that they understand. And then those same people apparently can work in the sex industry as long as everybody's on the same page. Now, it doesn't say that explicitly, but when you read all this together, I don't know how you don't put that together. Even if you want to kick off the sex working part of it, that's very clear what that says. So all of this wrapped in together, you have to see what this is doing. You have to understand what these people who are saying that it's mutilation to not let kids alter themselves when they don't understand what's going on. That's radical. That's extremism. That person has been warped to the point to where they are pushing dangerous ideology irrationally. That's what's ra- that's really what's happening. That does not encapsulate every single person in that conversation. And we need to be objective about that. We need to be able to point to the problem. Not only the very dangerous problem of what this ideology is clearly doing, both through trans people and politics, it's dangerous, on top of the fact that they're being they're, that whole agenda is being used to trap people into being subjective and driving you into being the person they want you to be framed as. But all of that is driving division amongst everybody, where the real culprit is always the government driving everything. We just need to be able to stand back and be objective about the full picture, or we will always get played while continuing to acknowledge the very real problem that is part of what one side of this is saying. We just made it clear. There is actual discussion without saying the word of legalizing and normalizing pedophilia. It's, it's, it's exactly what we've been trying to call out for years on this platform and plenty of others. It's just time to recognize that not only are those things happening, but also that there is a, a more nuanced picture to where this goes. And we, as people of this country, of all walks of life need to work together to push back on this or we will fail. And if you're somebody out there that's refusing to work with somebody else or you hate the left or you hate the right, well, you are being played. You are also part of the problem because the division will never allow us to change this, which is all they really need. Thank you for tuning in today, guys. We will continue to do this as always because we believe in you. So all we ask is that you support what we're doing if you believe in us. Reach out any way you can. We've got a lot of ways you can support the platform. Truthclothing.io. We have the sub stack you can sign up to. You can donate directly to the website. We've got a lot of different ways you can support because we are growing. We are trying to rapidly increase what we're doing because now is the time. We also have Pirate Stream Media, which we will be announcing. We we were doing the show in the stream, but we will be announcing this very soon and actually officially kicking off the website. And we'll have an area there if you would just want to choose to just donate to just Pirate Stream Media, which will be the three of us at the moment in a separate kind of, uh, you know, organization, which is, you know, all of ours are part of this. But ultimately, guys, 
support people out there that you believe in. If it's not us, then do it with somebody. Go out there and support the independent media that you believe is actually fighting for you. Because there's never been a more important time. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.